my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. Well, today I am celebrating a Full House slash Fuller House cast member's birthday. Yes, today is Lori Laughlin's birthday, or as you know her, Aunt Becky. And I am celebrating her birthday with... Season 8 of Full House, episode 21, entitled Leap of Faith, which aired on March 21st, 1995. Yes, we're getting down to the last, last bit of the show at this point in season 8. So in this episode, Jesse tries to stop Rebecca from bungee jumping, but thinks it's okay if he takes risks. Michelle cons her dad into letting her go to a rock concert. Oh, the infamous Counting Crows. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, this episode does have a low rating, which I'm not surprised because, honestly, it's kind of weak sauce. But, honestly, I could not find any Becky-ish centered episodes other than this one. And I believe the producer, which I did... Last year for her birthday. Yeah, this has got a 6.7 out of 10. Based on 171 ratings. Directed by Joel Zwick. Writers Jeff Franklin. Chuck and Jamie Tatum. So I don't know if um, they're a husband and wife team. Or if they're siblings, cousins. I just don't know. Oh, we got some connections. <laughs> Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Rebecca mentions to Jesse that Joey sleeps in Power Rangers pajamas. Reference in the Bagman. Dragna mentions the episode where Jesse goes bungee jumping with Becky. This movie came out in 2014. Hey, but Full House got a reference in a movie. That is cool. Actually, I remember there's an episode of This Is Us, I swear, yeah, it was sometime in the early season five, that Randall and Beth and their girls were watching, like, the latest episode of Fuller House that had dropped on Netflix. I think it was, like, season five, so, yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's see, we got some trivia. Once it loads. In the scene where Edna is talking with Danny and Becky at Wake Up San Francisco, in one shot, Bob Saget is wearing his wedding ring. Danny took off his wedding ring in season two. Maybe he is, maybe it's his and Pam's anniversary and he's wearing it for a special occasion. I don't know, but I will look for that. I will look for that. Okay, let's see. Do we have any? No. No reviews. Oh, we got some goofs. Obvious stunt double in the shot of Edna Bungie jumping off the bridge. Also, when she yells cowabunga, her mouth doesn't open. 
Continuity, Becky claims to have been afraid to jump off the high dive at the pool when in the family's trip to Hawaii. She oh, yeah, hello. She dove off the edge of a waterfall, which would clearly be higher than a high diving board. People do things. I mean, she and Jesse were fighting. It was a, a, it was a moment of, I gotta get out of here. And not thinking. And said, oh, I, wow, I just did that. <laughs> so, like, she went in like, wow, I just jumped off the side of the waterfall. All right, miscellaneous. Concerts that feature bands like Counting Crows generally do not allow small children as it is easy for them to get lost in the venue or trampled in the mosh pit. Danny should have let DJ and Stephanie go like they planned. Yes, hello. Exactly. Oh, my God. Don't, don't get me started. I got to table it. I got to table that. Because I will get heated about it. I will. Oh, okay, there is a filming location, Colorado Street Bridge, Pasadena, California. Oh, cool, cool. So they filmed at their bridge to do that uh, bungee jump thing. I would never do it. I will say that up front right now. I am a big chicken. I would never, never do that. Also, I mean, I used to like going on roller coasters, but I'm not really big into that anymore. Jeremy now wants to try to get me to go to the Hurricane Harbor... Six Flags Water Park here in Texas, which I'm like, uh, I'm not really ready for that. Maybe next year. <laughs> I mean, plus, I mean, we're still coming out of slowly starting to emerge out of everything that happened last year and stuff like that. So it's like, I don't know, water park. I mean, I'll do a movie theater, but water park, like, eh, I'm not there yet. I'm just, I'm not at that point. Like I said, maybe next year. Also, I was actually looking at season four, and I did decide at some point or another, I found another series of episodes to do, and I'm going to title it The Not-So-Great Episodes of Season 8, because there are some stinkers in there. I, I love Full House, but I will be the first to admit there are some stinkers. And here's the episodes I will be covering at some point for those uh, that series. Up on the Roof, Season 8, Episode 20. DJ wants to pull a school prank off in her senior year, so she, along with Jesse's help and Dwayne's, they lift the principal's car on the roof. <sighs> that episode was just, no, stinky, stinky. Air Jesse, where apparently Jesse can't play basketball, which is weird because in the Cousin Steve episode in season one, he and Danny and Joey and Cousin Steve, not Steve, Steve from season six, they all go play b-ball. We don't see them play, but clearly Jesse knows how to play. But all of a sudden it's like, I don't know how to play shit a basket. Like, come on now. No, 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 no. DJ's Choice. Oh, Steve, we needed you. We needed you back, Steve. Uh, so we wouldn't have this episode where DJ has to choose between two duds, in my mind, Viper and Nelson. Ugh. Spoiler alert, she chooses herself. Didn't she choose herself when she broke up with Steve? Because she says, I'll be fine, as in, I can be independent and alone, and I don't have to be attached to somebody romantically. I can just be me. And, of course, 
<laughs> Claire and present danger where Danny asked Gia's mom, Claire, out on the... Isn't this a little interesting that Danny's mother's name is Claire? Little, little, uh, huh. Okay, sure. But even Danny is like, oh, we gotta get him back in the dating game. I mean, Vicky's not here anymore. Let's fix him up with Gia's mom. Okay. But yeah, those are the four episodes at some point I will cover under the not-so-great episodes, or I will call them the weak sauce episodes of season eight. So, of course, before I officially get into this episode, I want to let the Tanner newbies who've just tuned into the podcast know where you can find the podcast to listen to it, find the podcast on social media to follow along, because this is a little different from other Full House and Fuller House podcasts. I don't go in order season by season and episode by episode. As you've heard, I take three to four episodes and do a series about it. It can be... A character or a general theme or I will sometimes do two episodes and call it a double feature like the breakup da- double feature Danny and Vicky and DJ and Steve so if you're looking to listen to the podcast the best two main options are SoundCloud and iTunes Apple Podcasts also the podcast does have a Facebook page. Just type in Full House Podcast and Facebook or Fuller House Podcast. The All My Lanto Holy Chulupas Podcast will pop up. Also, it does have an Instagram page at OMHC Full House Fuller House Podcast and also Twitter at OMHC Full House. If you would like to get your opinion heard on the podcast, you can do so at OMHC fhfhpodcast at gmail.com You can give me your top ten character, top five characters, best characters, worst characters, best episodes, worst episodes. I want to hear all of it. If you've been writing Full House or Fuller House fan fiction and you, you have an idea for season six of Fuller House or season nine of Fuller or Full House, I, I want to hear about it. I would love to hear what your thoughts and predictions would be for another season of Full House and another season of Fuller House. Also, if you've been listening for a bit, you like the podcast, you want to support it, let me put your mind at ease. I don't do Patreon. I don't ask for money. I don't want the money. All I ask is a moment of your time. If you got a sec, jump on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, search for Full House Podcast or Fuller House Podcast, the Oh My Land to Holy Chalupas podcast will pop up. Scroll down to where it says review, leave a review. All five-star reviews help the podcast get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves. You can use emojis. Have fun with it. Someone actually did that. I thought that was so Cool. I did struggle a little bit with some of the characters trying to figure out, okay, who's this person? Who's that person? So many of these people have brown hair. Who's who? (laughs) But it was cool. I just, I like that a listener went to that and just did it. And I'm like, whoa. Really, really is like, I had to sharpen my, my brain skills, my full house, fuller house brain skills. 
And I do, I, I understand with everything that went on with Lori Laughlin that I know she's not America's favorite person right now, but she still is, was a cast member of Full House for, what was it, six seasons? She came on in season two, and then she was on for, you know, a few seasons in season th- uh, of uh, Fuller House. You know, I just, I still want to honor that, you know? And also, this month in July, I will also be covering an episode of Fuller House for Michael Campion's birthday. From I was originally going to do Golden Toe Fuller. I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that one. Not this time. I'm like, I want to hit something from, like, season one. So, we are going to be covering... <laughs> The Legend of El Explosivo. DJ punishes Jackson because he named him as his favorite Mexican Mexican wrestling league, Lucha Kaboom. But that only leads to more action for the fans. <laughs> so yes, I will be covering that one in July as well. All right, without further ado, let's jump into Leap of Faith. I swear that was a movie too with Steve Martin. Wasn't that a movie? I swear I watched it in like seventh grade, my reading class in seventh grade. And I can't spell to save my life. F A I. Here we go. Yeah, 1992. Fake faith healer Jonas Nightingale is stranded in a small town where he finds he can't fool all of the people all of the time. Oh, this reminds me. Oh. Is that Deborah Winger? That doesn't look like her. Liam Nielsen's in that movie, too? Lucas has. Meatloaf? Philip Seymour Hoffman? Oh my gosh, I recognize some of these names. Deborah Winger from Terms of Endearment. And Urban Cowboy. Alright, let's get into Leap of Faith. But of course, before we officially get into the episode, looks let's look... At that adorable gem of a cold open. It looks like it takes place in the attic. Jesse is getting back from motocross. So Jesse is being the adventurous type. We already know that he went on an adventure in the country and fraternity reunion when he decided, like, ah, oh, I can't stand the city. I'm going out to the country. And he had an even worse experience. <laughs> Isn't motocross actually kind of deemed like an extreme sport kind of something like that and it seems like this cold open actually is going to play into the plot of the episode so becky's upstairs with the boys who are coloring this giant poster board yeah jesse comes upstairs like hey boys how about a hug for mr motocross and they run over and hug him and of course becky is not too happy with jesse And Jesse looks at Becky and says, Becky, I hate to say it, but this is only three quarters of a family hug. What are you doing? And she tells him, and I can't help noticing that you're an hour late. Jesse chalks it up to, oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I got a severe case of helmet hair. Jesse's hair in season eight definitely has gotten longer. Not season one longer, thank goodness, but definitely longer than it's been. And as Jesse's walking over the bed, he says, you know, you can't just uh, 
comb that away. I had to shampoo it in the drinking fountain. You see, his jacket and his jeans are covered in mud. Which I thought, like, if you're doing that motocross stuff, don't they have, like, special types of clothing to wear? So that way, if you do get muddy, you're not... Because he's looks like he's wearing... Is that a leather jacket? I don't know. Maybe not. But he's wearing jeans probably that he worn from home. And it's just like, I'm sure that they have special pants that you can wear that are specifically made for motocross. Any type of dirt biking. And Becky says, you know, I was worried. Uh, like, honestly, yeah, this is 1995. We didn't really have cell phones yet. Not like, definitely not like we have today. And the fact that Jesse couldn't have picked up a phone, a payphone somewhere, because those were pretty relevant still in 1995, called up Becky and said, hey, hon, look, I'm going to be an hour late. It's, it's called courtesy. And Becky says, explain to me, Jesse, how a father of two and a husband of one feels that he needs to risk his neck speeding around on a motorcycle. She says, speeding around a muddy track with a bunch of other yahoos. And Jesse says, all right, fine, I'll explain. It's, I do it because I like it. And Jesse is wearing a motocross shirt here. Okay, so, oh, he is actually wearing a motocross shirt, long sleeve shirt, and motocross pants. All right, I thought they were jeans at first, but no. It's like, if you're going to do that, you're going to wear the proper attire. That's just how you do. And, of course, <laughs> Becky's like, oh, that's my chair. And then they start arguing, and of course, Nikki and Alex are like, ugh, they're arguing again. This always happens. <laughs> the one twist says, they're fighting, kind of throws up his hands and like, ugh. And the other one says, hey, let's go flush something. Okay. <laughs> they have a walk-in closet. That's pretty cool. It doesn't even have a door on it, of course. You just walk right in. And Jesse and Becky come out of the walk-in closet and as he continues saying how, oh, you know, there's always been a part of me that loves taking risks. Yes, this is the same guy that jumped out of a plane on his wedding day because he wanted to go skydiving. And I remember when Becky picks him up to go to bail him out at the police station, she says, hey, because he says, I wanted one last adventure. And she says, what are you talking about? The adventure is just beginning. She says, hey, you want to go skydiving? Give, let me, give me a heads up. I will join you. So, yeah, and this is, of course, where it seems like eventually we're going to get into a debate where Becky is wanting to do, you know, the bungee jumping thing. And Jesse kind of vetoes it. Like, no, 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 women aren't supposed to do that. Only men. Like, ugh, the sexist part of Jesse I do not care for. And he gets that from his dad. He gets that from Nick. Nick is the same exact way. When his wife, Irene, you know, Jesse's mother was going to college. She was taking some college classes. And he's like, hey, drop out of that flaky college and make me dinner. And Jesse says how racing around on a muddy track with a motorcycle makes him feel alive. It takes the everydayness out of the everyday. So basically he's just looking for something to stir up the monotony in life. Think about it. At this point in time, he owns the Smash Club. He has his radio show with Joey. And he's also a parent and a husband. And he's just trying to find some thrill to, you know, 
shake things up a bit. And as he's, you know, taking off his shoes and all this stuff, and Becky says to him, well, what happens when this motocross gets boring? What, where do you draw the line? Bullfighting, hang gliding, nude welding? Like, I'm pretty sure nude welding. Welding, is that a thing? Jesse says a line draw right there. I don't know anyone that would. That, mm, I don't think so. That's dangerous. And Jesse is talking this up to my uncle Spiros, who never took a risk in his life. Jesse says one day he walked out his front door and boom, dead. And Becky asks, heart attack? And Jesse says, no, he, he lived in a Winnebago. Okay, so basically a Winnebago, it looks like it's just another word used for RV. Oh, is that what that W on there means? It means Winnebago? I don't know. Oh, this one's got some really cool retro colors on it. And it does look very big. Oh, this says it's from 1970s. I'm just looking at images of Winnebagos on Google. So apparently his uncle Spiros was going 60 in his Winnebago. He opened the door. He went out and Jesse says, well, it's, it's not a pretty sight. Ugh. Jesse sums this all up with a point that he's trying to make is that there are no guarantees in life. And he tells her how every once in a while you just, you gotta take a risk. And then we hear the toilet flushing because the boys flushed something down the drain. Oh gosh, what did they flush? The twins come out and one of them says, guess what we flushed? And the boys turn and slap high five. What could they have flushed? I mean, a watch? It, it had to be something small. I mean, either way, you're clogging up that toilet. Ugh. Jesse says, all right, I'm going to take a risk right now. So he pulls up his sleeve because he's going to have to uh, dig deep with that hand and try to pull out whatever was flushed. Hey, gang, how about a big family hug for Mr. Motocross? Give me a hug, boys. Come. <laughs> In fact, I can't help noticing this is only three quarters of a big family hug. And I can't help noticing that you are over an hour late. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I got a severe case of helmet hair. And you know, you, you can't just comb that away. I had, to, I had to shampoo in the drinking fountain. Well, I was worried. Please explain to me why a father of two and a husband of one suddenly feels the need to risk his neck speeding around a muddy track on a motorcycle with a bunch of other yahoos. Okay, I'll explain, because I like it. <laughs> Oh, that's mature. Oh, that's mature. What do you mean a bunch of other Yahoo? Do you you're see you're like I'm a Yahoo? Around. Yes, because you're Yahoo. They're fighting. Let's go flesh something. Matt, you know that there's always been part of me that loves taking risks. It, it makes me feel alive. It takes the everydayness out of the everyday. Well, what happens when motocross gets boring, huh? Where do you draw the line? Bullfighting? Hang gliding? Nude welding? Line drawn right there. Yeah. My Uncle Spiros, right, never took a risk in his life. One day, he walks out his front door and boom, he's dead. Heart attack? No, he lived in a Winnebago. <laughs> See, he was going 60, opened the door, he went out. It's not a pretty sight. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that there are no guarantees in life. I say every once in a while, you got to take a risk. take a risk right now so we come out of the intro we are in the living room it's interesting how the tv is now it used to be on a rolling cart now the tv is sitting on an end table that's across from the coffee table and 
almost the whole family's there. I mean, Danny's there. Joey just came into the room. Stephanie and DJ are on the couch. And Michelle is sitting in a chair near the couch petting Comet. Comet 2.0, I might add. Because this is season 8. And Joey comes in and is like, hey, you don't see that every day. A nun with a goatee. And <laughs> Stephanie says, this is the Jerry Springer show. Oh, come on. You really tell me that Danny would let his kids watch the Jerry Springer show. I mean, if anything, letting Michelle watch the Jerry Springer show. Come on. And <laughs> Joey comes in. He's like, all right. Well, he's already there. He says, DJ, Stephanie, tomorrow night, no TV. And of course, they look at Joey and they say, hey, that's not fair. And Stephanie's like, Joey, what are you? And he says, because you two, you have two tickets to see your favorite group, Counting Crows. So the fact, I mean, he knows what kind of music they like. Both DJ and Steph love the Counting Crows. Okay, I want to go through the Counting Crows popular songs. Let's see. Okay, so Cunning Crows, Mr. Jones, I know that song, Round Here, know that one, Big Yellow Taxi, heard of it, Accidentally in Love from Shrek 2, and A Long December. Yeah, if you've heard of the Counting, if you've heard of this song, you have heard of the Counting Crows. I'll play a second of it here. It's pretty cool that Joey knows, you know, Deej and Steph, they like the Counting Crows. Or maybe it's like, because we find out how he got the tickets. He's probably like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not into the Counting Crows, but I know two teenage girls that live in my house that will absolutely just scream over <laughs> these tickets. Of course, DJ's like, both DJ and Steph, like, jump up. and like, oh, my gosh, Joey. And DJ says, Joey, I love them. I listen to them all the time. Yeah, definitely in 97, I mean, I still listen to country music, but then I did start venturing to, you know, living in Michigan, WGRD, listening to them, you know, Counting Crows and Bush and Cheryl Crow and, (laughs) I don't know, Cheryl Crow, would she be considered alternative? Would she fit in the mix with that? Uh, Matchbox 20, there's another, um, what was the... Some Marilyn Manson. Not a lot, but some songs. And of course, Stephanie says, all my friends are going. It's sold out. Where did you get these? Apparently the concert's been sold out for weeks. Oh, and and like, you know, I say, it's 1995. You're not going to have the internet to jump onto. I'm like, okay, let me go to Ticketmaster. Oh, here we go. It's starting the ticket sales and then you just bing bang boom you get your tickets whereas i think back then you did have to wait you had to call you know Ticketmaster and physically go there and get tickets so yeah joey won a little sub eating contest at el bloto's sub shop didn't he also want something from El Blodo's in um, Subterranean Graduation Blues, that episode. He was talking about this giant sub that just looks so delicious. And that guy, that thug-looking dude in the jean jacket that's been in several episodes of Full House, never with a name, is sitting there on the subway next to Joey eating said sandwich. 
Joey says he polished off an entire mega meaty in less than a minute. Now, I don't know how big a mega meaty is. I doubt it's six inches. It's probably like a foot or larger because Joey has an iron stomach <laughs> or a bottomless stomach. I don't know. <laughs> and Danny <laughs> looks at Joey and he's like, you polished off an entire sub just to win tickets and Joey's going to say something. And I love how Stephanie pats Joey's belly and says, you didn't even know there was a contest, did you? <laughs> oh, she's got him pegged. And Joey rips those tickets out of Stephanie's hand so fast and says, hey, you want to go to the contest or not? <laughs> oh, here we go. Michelle feeling left out. Hey, how, wait a minute. How come Steph and DJ get to go and not me? I'd be like, sweetie, it's a concert. There's going to be a ton of people there. You are too young. She wouldn't even be able to see. Everyone's going to be taller than she is. What does she think? DJ or Stephanie is going to let her climb on their shoulders to see the concert? I don't think so. Yeah, she wouldn't even be able to see anything because she, everyone would be so much taller than her. Like, I can't see. I can hear music, but I can't see the stage. Who's playing? And thank you, Danny. He says, Michelle, you know you're not into that kind of music. Gosh, at eight years old, what kind of music would she be into just out of curiosity? I mean, I can't see anyone other than Jesse in that house being interested in Elvis. I mean, what at what age you start developing your musical tastes? Usually, it seems like, as a kid, it seems like you're into whatever your parents are into because, you know, they're in control of the radio and the car or whatever. But it seems as you get older, like becoming a teenager, you start to develop your own tastes in music. Like, oh, let me hear, you know, such and such and whatnot. And here you're making your own playlists of songs that have been out for 40 plus years. Of course, Michelle's like, sure I am. I listen to it all the time. <gasps> Stephanie calls her like, you do not. And Michelle says, do too. And they <laughs> go back and forth and say, don't do, don't do. Yeah, this is where I want to pick a bone with Danny. He says, okay, we've heard your opening statements, and I think Michelle is right. What? You just said she doesn't listen to this type of music. She does not need to go to the concert. She's not going to be able to see anything because she's going to be too small. And I can't even believe any venue is going to let an eight-year-old kid in unless they're showing whatever musical. Ins go, sweetie, go see Ray Reba McIntyre. Okay, she's awesome. She's totally kid-friendly. Not that Counting Crows is, but again, she would probably be, this is going to be a concert where you're going to be standing up. It's not going to be a, where you go into like an auditorium and you're sitting down for the concert. Like, you're going to Josh Groban and you're sitting down. I mean... Wait a minute. Well, this is 95. Handsome wouldn't have hit with Umbob until, what, 97? 90, late 96? I swear it was 97. It must have been because I was in 8th grade. I got the CD, Middle of Nowhere, in July of 1997. Because I would have been going into my freshman year in the fall. So, yeah. That, honestly, if Umbop, if Hanson had been around at this time, there you go, Michelle. Go see Hanson. 
Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. There's another one that really didn't happen until at least two to three years after Full House. What, honestly, would have been appropriate for her that she even would have been interested in seeing? And we got the Beach Boys. We got Elvis Presley. Those are, That's the music that's playing in that house. That and whatever Uncle Jesse is covering that isn't Elvis and Beach Boys. Yeah, and Danny says, we have to do what's fair. And Stephanie tells him, we're always fair. So Danny says, all right, we've got three girls and two tickets. Any ideas? This is nasty. So Joey's the one that comes up with, hey, girls, in my pocket, I have three licorice whips. One is, uh, I took a bite out of. And, yeah. So he says each girl gets, you know, he holds out the three and whoever gets the bitten end doesn't get to go to the concert. That is nasty. And the fact that it's been in his pocket. It's not like it, he put him in like a little Ziploc sandwich bag and then put it in his pocket. So you know those things are going to be nasty and moist feeling and just gross. Covered in lint and slobber from Joey's mouth. Ugh. Yeah, as he's pulling it out of his pocket, he says, oh, I have three licorice whips, one of which, I should add, is half-eaten. Gross! <laughs> I don't want to touch something that's been in someone's mouth. Even if it's for half a second. Just, no. I mean, I will share, like, a drink of pop from, you know, a bottle for, with Jeremy or... You know, maybe some, you know, if I have like a little bag of snacks and stuff, we're both putting our hands in, fine. But that's my husband. Anyone else? I'm like, no, 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 no. Just, mm, can't do it. And even that, just sharing a bottle of pop was with even Jeremy is sometimes it's just like, eh. Joey holds out the three licorice whips. And he says, whoever gets the half-eaten one, well, now you don't get to go to the show. Michelle pulls out the long one and says, all right, I'm going. And I, DJ, like, whirls around the licorice trip. Yep, I'm going too. And Stephanie got the half-eaten licorice whip. That sucks. That is, oh. And Stephanie turns to Danny and Joey and says, every time you're fair, I get the shaft. Danny says, oh, I'm sorry, Steph, there'll be other concerts. And here's Joey giving Steph a consolation prize. Uh, Steph, if it makes you feel any better, you can have that licorice whip. It's half eaten, Joey. That's nasty. And she's like, great, my favorite flavor, lint and slobber. <laughs> but you know they're covered in lint. Now, of course, Danny's turning what should be a fun evening, you know, for DJ. He's turning it into a babysitting gig because he's like, hey, DJ, look, there's going to be a big crowd there, okay? Keep your eyes on Michelle every second. He says, well, I don't want her coming home with anything pierced or tattooed. It's a Counting Crows concert, Danny. Okay? No, DJ's like, great. When did this turn into a babysitting gig? And she says, look, all my friends are going to be there, and there's going to be a party after there is? Okay, cool. I'm surprised that DJ didn't say, like, well, hey, there's two tickets. I can take Kimmy. 
Because even though DJ, it seems like DJ and Stephanie, even though they're only like, what, three years apart in age, seem to get more chummy in the final season just a little bit. Where it's like, yeah, they're two sisters. They're going to hang out and see the Counting Crows. I mean, I don't know. What music does Kimmy Gibbler like? I mean, probably the same. I would think she likes the same music as, as DJ. I wouldn't be surprised if she did. And of course, Michelle's like, I'll be in Twister. Like, you ain't going no teenager high school party girl. You know these concerts gonna it's gonna end way past your bedtime. They probably won't go on until like nine. And then the concert will probably last till like eleven thirty midnight if there's an encore. No, this is just ridiculous. This whole thing. Just Danny, he was right the first time he said, Honey, you're not into that type of music. And then he just he basically gives in to her. He should have said, all right, girls, have a great time, DJ and Stephanie. Because they're the appropriate concert-going age. And now Danny's like, I'm sorry, you gotta handle this. Life isn't always fair. It was until you opened your mouth, Danny. Until you said, said, oh, well, we gotta be fair with this. We got three girls and two tickets. And (laughs) Stephanie says, it was two minutes ago. Danny's pretty much like, well, it's just the way it worked out. Now, excuse me, Joey and I are going to go upstairs and retrieve a corn dog from a sink trap. Ew. And Joey looks at Danny and surprised, like, we are? It's almost like, that's news to me. So, Danny also adds, yes, and then after that, I'm going to teach you how to shave without eating. And Joey says, hey, if my dad couldn't do it, there's no way you can do it. So... Danny and Joey leave, and Michelle says, This is great. I'm going to go call Lisa. Maybe she can tell me who the counting cows are. And DJ stands up and says, Counting cows? It's the counting crows. You've never heard of them. And Michelle turns and waves the ticket at her and says, I'll see them at the concert. I'll hear them at the concert. Yeah, and then Michelle walks out of the living room and says, yeah, I'll hear them at the concert. <laughs> it's like he, she's waving the ticket in Stephanie's face. And Stephanie says, that little liar. And DJ says, yeah, we're t- both totally burned. It's like they would have had a fun time going together. And now Steph doesn't get to see the concert and DJ has to babysit the whole time. Here comes the bright old trickster Stephanie as she and DJ are sitting on the couch. And Stephanie comes up with an idea. Hey. What if Michelle had to give me her ticket because she couldn't go to the concert? And DJ looks at Steph and says, Hmm, sounds like you're coming up with a plan. You got a plan. And Stephanie says, Ah, indeed I do. And then as Stephanie is explaining, we jump out of the scene. Oh, no, there's something you don't see every day and none with a goatee. This is the Jerry Springer show. DJ, Stephanie, tomorrow night, no TV. Because you have two tickets to see your favorite group, Counting Crows. Oh, Joey, I love them. I listen to them all the time. All my friends are going. It's been sold out for weeks. Where'd you get these? Well, I uh, I won a little sub-eating contest at El Blodo Sub Shop. I polished off an entire mega media in less than a minute. You, uh, you ate a sub just to win tickets? Well, the truth is, I, uh... You um, didn't even know there was a contest, did you? Want to go to the concert or not? Wait a minute. How 
can Steph and DJ get to go and not me? Michelle, you know you're not into that kind of music. Sure I am. I listen to it all the time. You do not. You too. Don't. Do. Don't. Girls, do. girls, that's enough. Okay, we've heard your opening statements, and I think Michelle is right. Oh, we have oh, to do what's Jenny. fair. We're always fair. Okay. We got three girls and two tickets. Any ideas? Yeah, yeah, I got an idea. Uh, girls, in my pocket, I have three licorice whips. One of them, I should add, is half eaten. <laughs> now, whoever gets that one, well, you don't go to the show. All right, I'm going. I'm going too. Every time you're fair, I get the shaft. Uh, I'm sorry, Steph. You know there'll be other concerts. Uh, Steph, if it makes you feel any better, you can have that licorice whip. Yay, my favorite flavor, slobber and lint. <laughs> All right, now, DJ, there's going to be a big crowd there, okay? So I want you to keep your eyes on Michelle every second. I don't want her coming home with anything pierced or tattooed. Great. When did this turn into a babysitting job? Dad, all my friends are going to be there. There's going to be a party after. I'll bring Twister. <laughs> oh, now I'm feeling better. I'm sorry. You got to handle this. Life isn't always fair. It was two minutes ago. <laughs> all right, just the way it worked out. If you'll excuse us, uh, Joey and I are going to go upstairs and retrieve a corn dog from a sink trap. We are? Yes, and then I'm going to teach you how to shave without eating. Hey, if my dad couldn't do it, there's no way you can do it. Great. I'm gonna call Lisa. Maybe she can tell me what the counting cows are. Counting cows? It's counting crows. You've never even heard of them. I'll hear them at the concert. <laughs> I can't believe it, the little liar. We're both totally burned. Yeah. But what if Michelle had to give me her ticket because she couldn't go to the concert? Sounds like you have a plan. Ah, indeed I do. <laughs> All right, so now we're in the living room with Jesse and Joey, and they're watching Wake Up San Francisco. And surprisingly, Jesse and Joey aren't eating chicken. I mean, that's a thing that's been a staple in Full House in season one. Jesse was always eating chicken. But being like Wake Up San Francisco is a morning show, they're probably eating, gosh, it looks like a muffin or something like that. Oh, and here I spy something in the background, being this is a Warner Brothers show. I spy Dizzy Devil from Tiny Toons. A stuffed Dizzy Devil right in the little alcove underneath that frosted window pane where that ship is. Right underneath that. I'm like, oh, I never picked up on that before. So this is a kind of a dorky gag here where <laughs> Jesse says, Joey, turn up the volume on the TV. Joey reaches for a gray remote and he's like, hey, the batteries must be shot in this thing as he's trying to uh, turn up the volume. And Jesse says, your brain is shot. That's the remote control for Nikki and Alex's toy helicopter. Then why is it on the coffee table? Not to mention there's a crystal glass candy dish on the coffee table too. No candy in it, of course. Yeah, we see Nikki and Alex's toy helicopter floating right up, up, up right behind the couch. So yeah, now we're going to go to the Wake Up San Francisco set with Danny and Becky. 
Danny introduces the bungee jumping grandma herself, Edna Parrish. So Edna comes on wearing it looks like a <coughs> a stunt suit, a white stunt suit, and. Becky gives us Edna's resume of all these death-defying acts that she, Edna's a thrill seeker. She's gone, bun, you know, the bungee jumping. She's also whitewater rafted, done some cliff dying, <laughs> cliff diving, <laughs> and even wrestled alligators. Woo! She's a thrill seeker, that's for sure. And Dan is like, whoa, Edna. Any plans to maybe slow down? Like, maybe only defy death once a week? Edna here, she does look to be someone well into her 80s. But then again, this is 1995, so she could even be in her 60s at this point. And Edna says, oh, no, sorry. I mean, I've lived as long as I have because of the risks that I take. Cool. Good for her. Good for her. Good for her. Good for Edna. The world needs risk takers. So that those of us that don't like to take risks don't feel as guilty. Because there are people out there that are already doing that. <laughs> and Becky's surprised. Really? Wow. And of course, we cut back to the living room where Jesse's like, yeah, back totally. Listen to her. And Edna's going based on this philosophy that her husband Arthur had had before he passed away. Oh, before his parachute accident happened. Of course, Danny's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Parachute accident? And Edna says, no, actually, Arthur was asleep in the backyard and this paratrooper landed on him. Oh, God. She says, Arthur didn't feel a thing. Like, okay, well, quick and painless, I guess. So, yeah, they play the tape of Edna's latest bungee jumping adventure. And you see Edna there. And, of course, just like the goof says, when Edna says, Cowabunga! Her mouth does not move. And she jumps over the side, clearly. Stun double. <laughs> and Danny says, well, clearly you don't need an early bird breakfast before doing something like that. I wouldn't if if I were going to do that, which I'm never going to. <laughs> I would not want to eat anything before I do that. And Becky is just so impressed with Edna doing all these fun, daring stunts and just activities and just living her life to the fullest. Yeah, Becky said, you know, I see you do something like that. I see you here in person and you're so full of life. Becky is really inspired. So she's kind of... I guess she's getting what Jesse gets the, the thrill from motocross. Becky's getting that for, you know, wanting to be, you know, step outside of her comfort zone and be adventurous. Good for Becky. Then Becky pulls Jesse into the mix. You know, my husband's right. Maybe there is something to this risk-taking thing. And then we cut back to the living room where Jesse's like, hey, looks like someone's finally seen the light here. Like, ugh, Jesse, whatever. Jesse is just a guy who likes to be right. Edna's got an idea. She says, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you two come bungee jumping with me next week? Danny looks just completely shocked. Like, <laughs> that would be me. Like, I don't know. I don't think so. Sorry. I'd 
like how Edna looks at Danny and says, hey, what do you say, Stretch? And Danny says, well, Edna, I'm no scaredy cat, but when it comes to bungee jumping, I have two words for you. Me? Ow. Like, no. <laughs> Not happening. Yeah, she says, what are you scared of? It's safe and it's fun. And Becky just dives headfirst into this. Like, I don't know about stretch here, Edna, but I am down for this. You talked me into it. And we, yeah, Becky says, all right, next week, you and I, we're going bungee jumping. And we cut to the living room as Jesse says, oh, no, you're not. And Joey says, oh, yes, she is. You didn't hear? Let me turn it up for you. And he grabs the same remote to Nikki and Alex's toy helicopter. Becky and Dan are on. Turn up the volume. Okay. Oh, his batteries must be shot. I think your brain is shot. That's the remote control for Nikki and Alex's toy helicopter. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, with no further ado, let's say hello to the bungee jumping grandma herself, Edna Parrish. <laughs> Well, besides bungee jumping, Edna has also whitewater rafted, done some cliff diving, and even wrestled alligators. Whoa, gators. <laughs> Edna, wow. Any plans to slow down a little? Like, maybe only defy death once a week? Oh, no, sirree. I've lived as long as I have because of the risks I take. That's right. Listen to her, Beck. It's the same philosophy my dearly departed Arthur had. Before his parachute accident. I'm so sorry, parachute accident. What a, what a horrible way to go. Not really. He was asleep in the backyard, and this paratrooper landed on him. He didn't feel a thing. Maybe now would be a good time to take a look at Edna's most recent bungee adventure. I'm thinking you don't need a big early bird dinner before doing something like that, Edna. You know, Edna, I see you do something like that, and I see you here in person, and you're so full of life. I mean, maybe my husband's right. Maybe there is something to this risk-taking thing. Interesting. Well, looks like someone's seen the light. I'll tell you. Why don't you two come bungee jumping with me next week? Well, what do you say, Stretch? Well, I, I'm not a scaredy cat, Edna, but when it comes to bungee jumping, I, I've, I've got two words for you. Me, ow. What are you scared of? It's safe and it's fun. Well, Edna, I don't know about stretch here, but you talked me into it. Next week, you and I are going bungee jumping. Oh, no, you're not. Yes, she is. Didn't you hear? I'll turn it up. <laughs> so now we're back in the attic apartment and becky gets home from work jesse's play the playing the piano becky asks you know how was your day and jesse gets up from the piano and comes over and says oh i dropped the boys off at nursery school i did some grocery shopping and then he adds you're not bungee jumping the band came over we worked on this tune i'd be like excuse me first of all he can't exactly forbid her from bungee jumping. 
But and I like the fact that she throws it back in his face, like, "Oh, it's okay for you to risk your life and do this and that, but I can't." That is just a hundred percent sexist. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's like someone lit a fire under Becky, and she just goes off on Jesse, which good for her. And she she looks at him just incredibly. What you're saying? I can't go bungee jumping. And he's like, Yeah. And she's like, Well, we should talk about this. And he tells her, Well, I think we pretty much already did. And she's like, Oh no, you talk. I'm just getting warmed up. Yeah. And he starts in by saying, What jumping off a bridge attached to a rubber band? I mean, that's not you. You're a talk show host. So what? Yeah, she does. She is a part of the public eye. She's, you know, public image and everything like that. Jesse says, the riskiest thing you've ever done is try Ed Asner's carrot cake. And she's pretty much throwing his words back in his face as she says, what happened to taking risks and feeling alive and taking the everydayness out of the everyday? So basically, it's okay for Jesse to do that, but Becky can't. Yeah, Jesse's like, oh, this, that was me. This is you. You're a mother. And she says, you're a father. Yes, and she 100% is correct. And she says, this is a complete double standard. And Jesse throws away, oh, come on. This is not a double standard. Like, no, it is a double standard. The battle of the sexes is still apparently going strong, it feels like. Right, Quinn? That's right, baby. You're 100% correct in that. She's at her scratching post right now. She's working out some uh, issues. Or it's her daily exercise, I don't know, one or the other. Right, Quinny? That's right. You got it. Yeah, and he told her there's just some things that I can do that you can't. <laughs> yeah, right. And Becky looks at him and says, smiling, by the way, well, this ain't one of them. And she says, I'm bungee jumping. End of discussion. And I'm like, yes! Good for you, Becky! The audience just go, woo! And they start clapping. And Jesse says, no, the discussion isn't over until I say it's over. And she slams the door. And he says, okay, now it's over. Jesse, stop with your massage. Whatever you want to call it. He gets that from his dad. Also, I notice in the background behind the piano, there are two mobile it's like the the pedal cards you know the push ones that are made by like fisher price or something hi honey oh hi sweetheart how was your day oh it's terrific it's great i uh dropped the boys off at nursery school did some grocery shopping oh by the way you're not bungee jumping the band came over and worked on this little tune wait a it's second wait a second did you say i am not bungee jumping yeah, the band came over and we did this really cool tune. It's kind of has a, a shaft vibe. That's it? We're not going to talk about it? We just did. I said it's a shaft vibe. I mean the bungee jump. Oh, that, the bungee jump. Well, I, I think we pretty much talked that out. No. Wait a second, wait a second. You've talked it out. I'm just getting warmed up. Oh, come on, sweetheart. Jumping off a bridge attached to a little rubber band, that isn't you. I mean, you're a talk show host. The riskiest thing you've ever done is try Ed Asner's carrot cake. Well, what happened to taking risks, feeling alive, taking the everydayness out of the everyday? Well, that was me. This is you. You're a mother. You're a father! This is a complete double standard. Oh, come on. This is not a double standard. There are just some things that I can do that you can't. Well, this ain't one of them.
I'm bungee jumping. End of discussion. Yes. No. No. This discussion isn't over until I say it's over. Now it's over. <laughs> So we go to Michelle and Stephanie's room, and Michelle is sitting at the table doing her homework. She's got her trapper keeper open, and she <laughs> is apparently very, very hot in the room. So she takes a little notepad of paper and starts fanning herself like, ooh, up the heat. So of course, here come DJ and Stephanie putting Stephanie's plan into action. They're both wearing heavy <clears throat> heavy parka type coats. They both have scarves around their neck. They both have their mittens on. And DJ asks Michelle, Michelle, how can you just sit there and jeans and a t-shirt? The fur is broken. The house is freezing. And Stephanie already has Michelle's coat. Like, here, Michelle, put this coat on before you get sick. And Michelle looks at DJ and Stephanie like they each grown an extra head. Like, what are you talking about? It's boiling. I'm boiling in here. Surprised she didn't like get this coat off me. It's too hot. What are you doing? No, that would be me. Because <laughs> honestly, it's got to be the type of year where if Becky's going, I almost said skydiving. If she's going bungee jumping and she's in like a, a windbreaker or a bungee jumping suit outfit, whatever, it ain't gonna be gold outside, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, man, I'm like, it's like 70 degrees outside. What are you talking about? Freezing? If the furnace broke, would they even really, would it make a difference in that house? I don't think so. So, Stephanie puts her gloved hand to Michelle's head. It's like, whoa, boiling? Put another shrimp on the Barbie. Oh, God, that makes me think of Tom and Dumber. <laughs> In the beginning of that movie when um, he's asking, I think she's from, like, Austria. He's asking her for directions. He's like... Was it Austria or Austria? Yeah, I think he got him confused. I mean, that's Lloyd Christmas. <laughs> He's like, let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Or however. And she look, this lady looks at him like, oh, let's not. And just walks off. Right, Quinn? Remember Dumb and Dumber? No? DJ puts on a hat. Which, this hat isn't... Compared to the hat that Danny put on her in season seven's high anxiety you know the the blossom looking hat with a giant flower on the front of it no this one is just a nice crocheted looking winter hat so yeah they're like, oh yeah if only we could take her temperature what do i have it's a thermometer pops it right in her mouth this is one of those glass thermometers we're all familiar with these kind of thermometers as children i'm sure because I'm used to using a digital thermometer. And I use the one that actually it changes color base. It's color based so you can tell whether you have a low grade fever, you know, mild fever, very high fever. I mean, the digital readout's going to tell you regardless, but I just think it's kind of cool that, that, you know, it'll 
the inside of it will, will the screen will glow that color like oh you're fine don't worry about it oh my goodness you have a high fever go to the doctor you know that kind of thing so they drag her over to bed coat and hat on let's put you into bed immediately and now of course michelle's got that thermometer in her mouth i feel fine so they're really messing with her head here. As teachers, well, all sick people start off feeling fine. It's like, guys, I get it they want to go to the dang concert, but the fact that they're going to this extreme is a bit cray-cray. I love the poster above Michelle's bed that has the wildlife animals because it, it seems like a character trait of Michelle that they did kind of Feels like they gave her early on as she cares about the environment and recycling. And then we got this adorable, you know, poster of the, you know, endangered wild animals. You know, the lions, the elephants, the zebras, the rhinos, the antelope, I think. What's that? Oh, there's a kangaroo. Oh, there's a gorilla. The more you look at this picture, the more other animals start popping out. Like, oh, there's a... Or a grizzly bear? Okay. So, DJ pulls out the thermometer out of Michelle's mouth. She's like, oh my gosh, 116? And of course, Michelle's like, is that high? Oh, and Michelle's like, her eyes are literally like bugging up. She's like, is that bad? DJ says, well, not if you're a rump roast. I'm thinking, girls, she's your little sister. Come on. I get it. She kind of, I mean, this is all on Danny. 100%. He should have just said, honey, you don't like that kind of music. And even if, you know, she's like, yeah, I do listen to him all the time. I'd be like, well, you're t too young. Just leave it to this. Sweetie, I'm sorry. You are only eight. You are not going to see a Counting Crows concert, which is not a children's band. I'm surprised they're like, I remember when you were like three and you listened to Raffi and Baby Beluga. Here, I got the tape right here. I'll play it for you. And Stephanie defines this illness as Schmedrick's disease. Oh, good grief. And Michelle's like, Schmedrick's disease? And Stephanie looks at DJ and says, oh no, DJ, she's getting the next sign of Schmedrick's disease. She's getting the spots. Michelle, still, it's like, this kid is like eight. You're her older sister. Of course she's going to be, believe you. Where, <laughs> she's like, spots? What spots? And Stephanie pulls out a mirror that's got a bunch of little red, like, glue-on red dots. Like, these spots. And Michelle is, like, looking at her reflection and just, there's spots that have been put on the mirror specifically. But being she's a small child and she's impressionable, I just think this was a low blow for DJ and Stephanie. You guys could have went another route. You did not have to make up some disease. Scare this child. All to get a ticket to go. I mean, DJ. But she's got her ticket. She just doesn't want to, you know, have this be a babysitting gig and babysit Michelle. Michelle's looking at her reflection. Oh my gosh, they're on my pillow too. And. Stephanie says, oh yeah, that stuff spreads fast. And she puts the, uh, it's a little handheld mirror. And DJ still is like, Steph, she's, it's definitely Schmedrick. She's showing the first three signs. Definitely. Oh, 
fever, red spots, vomiting. This is where Michelle kind of rolls her eyes like, I didn't throw up. And of course they toss in their memory loss. Ugh. But they chalk that up as another sign of Schmedrick's disease is memory loss. They really, they're like talking around like, oh, the NDJ said, well, thank God, you have two loving sisters to care for you. You're not being very caring and loving right now. You're being very manipulative, which, I, I mean, come on. Like I said, I'm putting this all on Danny. Michelle, Danny could have said no. And the fact that, why would they even believe her when she said she listens to them all the time? Why would she be listening to Counting Crows as if Steph were playing the CD in her bedroom? And DJ keeps going on about, oh, we'll make you comfortable and nurse you back to health. And then, of course, here comes the concert. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to be able to go to the concert. Here comes Kimmy to blow their cover. Thank you, Kimmy. She's like, oh, there you are. I had to turn down your thermostat. And she says, do you know some chocolate? Turn it up to like a hundred. And, and of course, DJ rushes over. And it's like, Kimmy, <laughs> is there a particular reason you're over here? I'm sure everyone asks themselves. They've been asking themselves that for eight years. Kimmy, why are you here? Kimmy, what do you want? Kimmy, why are you still here? Kimmy, go home. So apparently at the Gibbler house, everyone takes turns cooking, and it's Kimmy's night to cook. And her dad wants beef Wellington. So Kimmy says, I need beef in whatever Wellington is. I gotta say, I think I want to give the best outfit award to Kimmy, because, and I am going to be biased, she is wearing the color red. You know how I feel about red. But it's like a tie-dye red and like glimpses of white throughout and I'm just I mean she is wearing yellow shorts that definitely contrast it but I still I really haven't seen anyone's that really looks better than that so far I could be wrong though we're almost done with this episode so so Stephanie breaks in and she starts pushing Kimmy backwards out the door like listen Kimmy take whatever you want now if you'll excuse us and that's when Kimmy Arches her neck to the like, And I love what she calls Michelle. <laughs> she looks at Michelle and says, Hey, Rip Van Runt. Isn't it a little early for Betty Boy? <laughs> Rip Van, uh, take a Rip Van Winkle, who slept for like a hundred years and he woke up and he was in another century. And only one part, spoiler alert, only one person in that town even recognized him. Because the person was even older than Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Wishbone does an amazing... If you want to watch episodes of Wishbone, the PBS show, Little Dog, Big Imagination, takes you into storybooks, you learn about Rip Van Winkle, you learn about Ivanhoe, Tom Sawyer, Romeo and Juliet, um, I don't think they did Hamlet, um, The Odyssey... King Ma you know, all that stuff. It's all available on YouTube. At least I'm pretty sure it still is. Thank goodness, because which one's not on DVD? It's not on DVD. It's not on a streaming service. It's a PBS show. It really honestly needs to be. But, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, I just, I love the costumes of the show Wishbone. It's just amazing. I really, I, I do think I want to do an episode of Wishbone for the podcast. I just think that would be really fun. 
And I also had the biggest crush on Joe Wishbone's, like, 13-year-old. When I was 13, mind you, back in 1995. Yeah. Michelle looks miserable. I've got Smedrick's disease. Her face looks really pale. Her lips look pale. She just looks miserable. But then again, if they're... No one else must be in that house. Because everyone's like, hey, who messed with a thermostat? You don't touch it. You want to build a skyrocket? You girls want to pay for the electric bill or the heating bill out of your allowances? Because you're gonna. You don't touch the thermostat. My dad was like that all the time. He'd shut the furnace off when he'd go to work. And then I'd come back and the house would be literally freezing. Pamela complained about the same thing. It's like the, the house was always so cold. Which is like, that's how my dad saved money because, you know, he lived out in the country at a propane tank. And Kimmy's like, oh, really? I had that when I was 10. And DJ just looks at Kimmy and says, somehow I doubt that. And Kimmy's like, oh, yeah, you're right, DJ. You're right. It was chicken pox and I was eight. And then Kimmy's like, oh, wait a minute. It wasn't me. It was my cousin. And DJ's like, goodbye, Kimmy. Goodbye. And Kimmy's like, geez, you share one childhood memory. She just rolls her eyes and walks away. Oh, another thing. She's wearing, like, I don't know whether it's black leggings or black tights underneath these shorts. Kimmy is just, she's a fashion icon of her time in the mid-90s, peeps. And Michelle asks, when is dad coming home? And DJ and Stephanie look at like, uh, Michelle, about this disease. It's a minor illness for people our age. They are literally making this up, of course, as they go. And somebody's like, if a grown-up hears you talking about it, or you tell them about it, uh, something bad happens, right, DJ? And DJ's like, uh, right, um, all their hair falls out. What? DJ's like, yeah, it's terrible. They, they go completely bald. Oh my goodness. And of course, evidence, uh, example. You know that Captain Picard on Star Trek? Schmedrits. Oh god. Michelle, still, she is like freaking out. She's like, uh, how do I get better? And DJ says, just stay in bed until tomorrow. Uh, lucky, if you're lucky, you only have 24 hour Schmedrits. And of course, that's when it dawns on Michelle. Oh, but I'll miss the concert. Oh, DJ says, luckily, you only have 24 hours, Schmedrick. I thought she was going to say, luckily, if you're lucky, you might only have 24 hours, okay? But Michelle says, if I have to stay in bed, that means I'll miss the concert. They couldn't fake <laughs> nonsense. They're like, oh, no. <sighs> they they really irritate me, but not as much as Danny. I mean, but even still, it's like, these are your big sisters. DJ is at least a decade older than Michelle. I get it. You want to get the other ticket, but you, but you, you got to make up a fake disease that your sister is probably trying to... Uh, it's just, it's, I get it. It's, it's for laughs, it's for giggles, but... You think, if I were Michelle and my sister did something like this to me, you think that I wouldn't be somewhat traumatized? Or, I definitely wouldn't trust her after that. Yeah, and they're like, oh, well, that, if, you know, that ticket's gonna go to waste. I mean, if only you knew someone who was sitting home tonight with no plans. And already had her coat on. 
in, you know, Michelle, who's still, she's in bed. She's looking up at Stephanie and asks, do you want to go, Steph? And Stephanie's like, well, let's see. No plants. Oh, look at that. I'm wearing a coat. And now we're going to get the real reason why Michelle wanted to go to this concert. Because she wants to do stuff with her older siblings, her sisters. They're so awesome. She says that. You guys are so cool. You get to do so much stuff. You know, they get to wear makeup and go out on dates and all this fun stay up late and all that. Oh, what little sibling wouldn't be envious of that? Well, of course, Danny comes home. We don't see him, but DJ kind of... Looks at, like out the little window. Like, oh, uh, dad's home, and it's like, thanks for the ticket, Michelle. We gotta go. Bye. Yeah, they hurt. They can't get out of that room fast enough. Like, oh, just stay in bed. Don't tell anyone anything, okay? <laughs> oh, and here Michelle admits the truth. Wait, I gotta tell you guys something. You've been so good to me. I have to tell you the truth. She says, I really didn't care about the counting cars because she keeps getting the name. You know, confused. Stephanie says, crows! It's crows! Counting crows! If they're like, here, you want to hear some counting crows? Okay. And then they hit play, and Michelle listens. She's like, hey, I don't like this music. And Dan's like, Michelle, of course I told you you wouldn't like it. She says, all I wanted to do was something grown up with you guys. So now DJ and Stephanie feel guilty for Tricky Michelle. Of course they do. Yeah, she says, you get to do all kinds of fun stuff and I always feel left out, which sometimes if you're the younger sibling, you do get left out of a lot of stuff. I mean, DJ and Stephanie are finally at the age where it's not a huge age gap. I mean, we got Steph who's like 13, 14. We got DJ who's 17, 18 years old. And that gap... Compared to season one, where the gap was four years old and ten years old. And it's like, oh, my little sister, she's so... Ugh. But now it's like, yeah, they're teaming up. They're <clears throat> doing stuff together. They're going shopping together. They're. It's not a, like, Steph, you're not going out of the house dressed like me because you're, you know, nine and I'm, like, 14. But, I mean, even at this age, I mean, Michelle... Let's put her at nine. This is almost the end of the series. She's nine years old. And that's still a significant age gap between her older sisters. And it's like some stuff your older sisters do, you're not going to, they're not going to want to, you know, take her to the mall and, you know, go scamming for guys. Because, you know, that DJ ain't attached anymore. Unless she's still with Viper. <laughs> So I can feel a smidge of sympathy for Michelle, you know, as we go back to that moment of, you know, the girls like, oh, cool, we each got tickets to go see Counting Crows, and Michelle's like, what about me? How come they get to go and I don't get to go? I know this would be a weird comparison of saying, like, when, you know, Dorothy, Rose, and Blanche and the Golden Girls go do something and they're always leaving Sophia out. It's like, Michelle's like, Sophia, I, I don't know. How many, how many times? And, and that's a, a thing that's come up. Because I've been, you know, we've been watching the Golden Girls heavily. From like 9pm on Hallmark until like 11. And it's... You got it. She got, you know, Sophia does get left out. And, you know, I get it. They all live together. They're, they're like sisters almost. But 
Yeah, and DJ and Stephanie like, oh, you do? Oh, shoot. And Stephanie's like, we were so close. Oh, more guilt here. She says, you guys are so cool. I want to grow up and be just like you. So Stephanie admits to Michelle, Michelle, look, you're fine, all right? There's nothing wrong with you. Michelle pulls her head off and asks, so I don't have Schmedricks? And Stephanie says, no, Mr. Schmedrick is my biology teacher, but he is bald. Oh, maybe he's not bald. Never mind. Um, yeah, it turns out, uh, we were j DJ says, we were just mad because you weaseled that ticket away from Stephanie. You want to be mad? Well, how can they be mad at Danny? Because Lenny isn't going to do any good. They say something to him. He's like, well, fine. Neither of you go to the concert. Where they're like, oh, well, let's just take our frustrations out on our little sister. Like... You want to get mad at anybody, get mad at Danny. He's the one that made the final... He's like, yeah, and his parting remark before he leaves the room was, well, that's just how it worked out. Like, he, he does not care. Like, whatever. Just, we're done here. So, Stephanie does hand the ticket back to Michelle. Like, here you go, you go to the concert. Okay, um, I think DJ will be in the running for runner-up of Best Outfit. I really like... Argyle sweaters and shirts. I mean, I don't have any personally or socks, but DJ's, it's like, um, it's like a blue and a canary yellow Argyle. It's really pretty. And it, Michelle pushes the ticket back at Stephanie says, no, you guys go. You're the one who really like the counting cats. And of course, they're both like, crows! Oh, I'm sorry. No, okay. So it's a light blue. It's a dark blue. It's kind of a cream color argyle shirt that D uh, sweater that DJ's wearing. And I like how this is a sweet little compromise as DJ's like, hey, I promise next weekend the three of us will go do something really adult. Okay, Michelle, I don't think we're gonna be doing that as Michelle's like, get pierced and tattooed? Like, uh, no. Oh my gosh, you know what I was just thinking? I wonder if that same rule is going to apply to Michelle. We'll never see it, of course. That Michelle would have to wait till she's in junior high like DJ did. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. You definitely ain't getting no tattoos. Isn't that what Danny said? I don't want Michelle coming home with, you know, piercings or tattoos. <laughs> Apparently in Michelle's eyes, that's like the most extreme thing a teenager can do is get pierced and tattooed. <laughs> I love Stephanie's like she says how about uh, a PG movie with mature themes and adult situations uh in a PG movie maybe in the 80s because we didn't have PG-13 just yet but uh I don't know pumpkin I don't know about that I think you're still uh, uh yeah remember yeah that episode with um where we first meet Steve when he takes DJ out to the movies and then she brings along Stephanie and Michelle. And, you know, Steve and DJ were going to see, see Thunder Raceway. And Stephanie makes a big thing like, hey, Thunder Raceway? I believe that's rated PG. No parents, no go. No parental guidance, no parents, no guidance, no go. But it's fine. We'll take this nine-year-old child to see. There's nothing wrong with it. Come on. No. 
Honestly, PG movies today really... I, I feel they're they're pretty tame. Tame compared to what they were in, say, the 90s, early 90s. Yeah, it says the problem child is rated PG. And this came out in 1990. What? This is... And this is 1995. So, I want to see what movies... Was Jumanji out at this time? Let's see. Well, I want to see when this Full House episode aired first. And then we can kind of see what um, movies Michelle would have been able to see. Um, 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 let's see. We are all the way to so March 1995. I don't know if Jumanji was out in March of 95. And I can't spell Jumanji apparently. What the heck is this? Jumanji Level 1, 1869. What? What is this? What is this? Is what? It's a short. It's 15 minutes long. What? What is this hoopla poo? What is this hoopla poo? 1995. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Let's see. Release dates. Uh, December 15th, 10 days before Christmas 1995, so I... <laughs> okay, let's see here. We got Heavyweights, we got Man of the House. Um, oh, let's, let's, let's look at the... Okay, see, so Major Pain? I've never seen it, but I, I've heard of it. Uh, Tall Tale, Goofy Movie... Boom! Goofy Movie, go! Uh, Little Prince... There's a lot of kids' movies that came out in 95. Goofy Movie, Little Princess, Casper, Pocahontas, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, The Movie, The Indian in the Cupboard, Babe, Free Willy 2. I don't know what Whisper of the Heart is. Kid in King Arthur's Court, The Babysitter's Club, The Baker. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me right now? It takes two. <laughs> That's the one that Michelle sees. Like, these two twin girls, these two girls look very familiar. Uh, Toy Story, Now and Then, Balto, Jumanji, Mr. Holland's Open. That was PG, I guess. Uh, Tom and Huck. I didn't know that Mr. Holland's Opus could be seen as a kid's film. But, I mean, there's nothing, honestly offensive about Mr. Holland's Opus. I mean, I saw Problem Child that came out in 1990. I would have seen that when I was like eight. And there's quite a bit that I can see parents probably being like, I don't know about Problem Child. It's a little, yeah. But the thing is, I mean, we're coming off of, you know, being in a new rating system. PG-13 is more for, you know, young adults and adults but still it seemed like definitely pg put you went as far as you humanly possibly could in a pg movie that wouldn't bump it to a pg-13 i mean think about it, my girl could have gotten a pg-13 rating but they cut stuff out it's like they wanted to make it more it's macaulay culkin how many of you were kids out there in 1993 when The Good Son came out and it was rated R and you're like, a Macaulay Culkin movie I can't watch because I'm not 17 yet. That honestly was the biggest debate between my dad and I. Every time we went to the video store, 
I would see the good son. I pick it up. He'd shake his head. No. When you're 17, you're 18, you can watch whatever you want. I don't care. But until then, yeah. So. <laughs> and then when I was 17, I'm like, he's like, whatever. He, he was having a poker night. He's like, yeah, you want it? Whatever. Get, get it. Get the good son. And of course, DJ and Stephanie pull back the covers. Like, come on, Michelle. Get out of that. Oh, no one in that is in... Well, Danny's... I'm surprised he's not like... Hey, who messed with the thermostat? Why is it so hot in here? It's hotter in the house than it is outside. But then again, if you were an older sibling and you feel like your little sibling cheated you out of something, how far would you go to scheme to get even with them? Would you make up a fake disease? And somehow they'd be gullible enough to believe it? Eh, I don't know. I think nowadays people gotta be kids gotta be very crafty in their schemes. You know what with the internet and all. Michelle, how can you sit there in just a t-shirt? The, the furnace broke and the house is freezing. Yeah, you better put this on before you get sick. What are you talking about? I'm boiling. Boiling? another shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> if only we could take her temperature. Hey, we're in luck. A thermometer in my parka. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> I better get you into bed immediately. But I feel fine. Well, all sick people start off feeling fine. <laughs> oh my gosh, 116. <laughs> Not if you're a rump roast. <laughs> Sounds to me like Schmedrick's disease. Schmedrick's disease? Uh oh, DJ. The next sign is Schmedrick's. She's getting the spots. Spots? What spots? These spots. <laughs> Throw my pillow, too. Come on, Michelle. That stuff spreads fast. Uh, it's definitely Schmedrick's. I mean, she's showing the first three signs fever, red spots, vomiting. I didn't throw up. Uh-oh, the next sign. Memory loss. <laughs> well, thank God you've got two loving sisters to care for you and make you comfortable and nurse you back to health. Oh, there you are. I had to turn down your thermostat. Did you know some chucklehead turned oh, it up to Jimmy, 100? Jimmy, is there a particular reason you're over here? Oh, yeah. I need to borrow a couple of things. It's my turn to cook dinner, and my dad wants beef wellington. Oh, well, what do you need? Beef. And whatever the heck Wellington is. <laughs> Listen, Kimmy, just take whatever you want. Now, if you'll excuse us... Hey, Rip Van Runt. Isn't it a little early for Betty Bye? I've got Smedrick's disease. Really? I had that when I was ten. Somehow I doubt that. You're right. It was chicken pox and I was eight. No, wait a minute. It wasn't me, it was my cousin. Goodbye, Kimmy. I would love to meet others. Jeez, you share one childhood memory. <laughs> When's Dad coming home? Uh, Michelle, about this disease. See, it's, it's a minor illness for people our age, but if a grown-up gets it or even hears you talking about it, well then, something happens. Right, DJ? Yeah, uh, it's terrible. Um, they go completely bald. You know that uh, Captain Picard on Star Trek? Schmedricks. So how do I get better? Well, just stay in bed until tomorrow. Luckily, you only have 24-hour Schmedricks. 
If I have to stay in bed, that means I'll miss the concert. <gasps> oh, no. I didn't even think of that. That ticket's gonna go to waste. If only you knew someone who was sitting home tonight with no plans and already had her coat on. Do you want to go, stuff? Me? Well, let's see. No plans? And look at that. A coat on. Dad's home. Uh, thanks for the ticket, Michelle. Gotta go. And, uh, just, uh, stay in bed. Don't tell anyone anything. Yeah. Wait. You guys have been so good to me, I've got to tell you the truth. I really didn't care about the counting cars. Crows! <laughs> all I wanted to do was something grown up with you guys. You get to do all kinds of fun stuff, and I always feel left out. Really? You do? You guys are so cool. I want to grow up and be just like you. Aww, that is adorable. Aww, oh, rats. <laughs> we were so close. <laughs> Michelle, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. I mean, I don't have smedrics. No, Mr. Schmedrick is my biology teacher. <laughs> we made the whole thing up. We were just mad because you weaseled that ticket away from Stephanie. Yeah, here, you go to the concert. No, you guys go. You're the one who really like counting cats. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Hey, when we promise next weekend, the three of us will go out and do something really grown up. Get pierced and tattooed? Uh, how about a PG movie? With mature themes and adult situations. <laughs> All right, now it's the morning of the bungee jump for Becky. I, I like her outfit. It's... It's like, it's not fuchsia, it's like another type of pink. And it, it looks like, like, almost like a windbreaker with matching pants. It's like that neon-ish, pinkish with black. And it just, it looks good on her, I really like it. Oh, yeah, it looks like uh, Danny and Becky are getting ready to head out the door to do this on location version of Wake Up San Francisco, you know, that way they can film the bungee jump and all that. Jesse comes down in his robe, he's not even dressed, and he's like, Beck, I gotta talk to you before you go do something crazy. So, are they just not, have not been on speaking terms? She has not been talking to him at all as far as she's probably giving him the silent treatment. Like, you said you what you need to say, I've said what I need to say, clearly we're not gonna come to an agreement on this, so... I'm just, yeah, I'm going to do it. And Becky's like, well, okay, make it fast because I have to jump off a bridge in an hour. Oh, Jesse makes this all about him. I know why you're doing this. You're doing this to get back at me for the times I made you worry. Dude, it is nothing to do with that. She's doing it for her. Why isn't she allowed to be able to be spontaneous and crazy and just do something for the thrill of it? Jesse's allowed to and he's a dad even though she's a mom why can't she do something and Jesse says look it worked all right I'm worried like, so like all right sit down relax have a muffin if you're about to do that in like an hour do you really want 
a muffin, something that's going to be sitting in your stomach. Because, like, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Would you even want to do the bungee jump on an empty stomach? I don't know. What is the proper protocol for... I want to see if there's, like... I want to look up the rules for bungee jumping. What they say... Don't do this before you do before you bungee jump, or I'm gonna look that up right now. All right, so I did find an article from April of 2020. Ten things to know before bungee jumping. This is a bungee blog for bungee jumping adventurous life. Okay, let's see here. When we talk about the most thrilling adventure, the one thing which comes to mind is bungee jumping, as it is one of the most thrilling adventures and it is very enjoyable. But everything has some initial steps to follow, so there are certain things you need to consider before bungee jumping, so if you are to know those things when you are at the right place, as here, we will discuss 10 things to know before bungee jumping, so don't forget to read the article till the end to get the full idea of it. One. Book your bungee jump in advance. The first step you need to follow, you need to book your bungee jump in advance as we never know how much rush we will face when we will book our tickets on the spot. So it is always recommended to book your jump in advance. Two, don't think much when you are there. The next step you have to follow is actually you need to control your mind and you don't need to think much when you are there as processing different things in mind causes tension which may cause several problems during the jump. Three, think positive before the jump. So another psychology thing you need to follow is that you have to think positive before the jump as the main cause why many bungee jumpers fail is because people think so much negative before the jump which demotivates them to jump and that is why many jumps fail. Don't expect to have a smooth jump, number four. The one thing you should have in your mind is that the bungee jump is well known by its rough but enjoyable ride. So if you're thinking that you will have a smooth ride, then you are wrong, so set your mind accordingly. Don't worry about the first bounce. It's always very scary, but you don't need to panic as it is very normal. Prepare yourself for the long adrenaline. In bungee jump, the adrenaline is usually very short, but again, you don't have to panic as it is very safe and it is a guarantee that you will think positive, that if you will think positive, you will definitely enjoy it. Wear thick clothes. It is also recommended that you wear thick clothes during the bungee jump as you will feel cold breeze during the jump. Double check the rope. It is one of the most important steps you will need to follow in order to ensure that the you will be safe during the jump. You must double check the rope. Wear good quality gloves. Before bungee jump, it is also obligatory that you should wear thick and good quality gloves in order to protect your hands. Don't forget to buy pictures. Pictures are your one and only memory, which will take you back to that lifetime experience of bungee jumps. So, buy pictures. Verdict, we hope you have understood all the points mentioned in this article. So, if yes... <laughs> Then you are all set to go on a lifetime adventure of a bungee jump, and it is guaranteed that you will love it. Love it. And of course, here's my question answered. Someone else asked it. Is it okay to eat before bungee jumping? Yes, you can eat before bungee jumping. Though, in fact, you should eat something small at least. If you don't, your empty stomach could make you feel dizzy during the jump. Just make sure it's a tiny portion, though. Nothing too heavy and a couple hours before you go. Here's a funny one. What happens if you pee while bungee jumping? <laughs> Don't laugh, but this can happen to anyone. Blame it on that MasterCard commercial where a guy actually pooped.
boobs and his pants while bungee jumping. I've never seen this commercial, by the way. Uh, so, so the thought stuck in your head. What if I'm too scared while jumping and I end up peeing out of fear? What if I puke while bungee jumping? So many questions. So many questions. So, so there's another thing here as far as um, another article. Assess your health. Any injuries? Choose your jump operator location carefully. So there are things that they tell you do not go bungee jumping if you have certain uh, high blood pressure, heart problems, conditions, epilepsy, bone breaks, dislocations, or fractures. As with any injury, the pull on the bungee jump could be painful or make the injury worse. Back, neck, or spinal injuries. Don't jump if you have any of these injuries. So, yeah, Jesse and Becky sit down at the table and she explains to him because he thinks she's doing it to get back at him for making her worry all the times. He was late and doing all these, like, motocross and whatever other things that he's doing. And she says, Jess, this has nothing to do with you. I'm doing this for that little girl back in Nebraska. And Becky opens up about a time that she and some of her friends decided to go jump off the high dive. Well... Her friends did, but unfortunately, Becky was too scared, which I'm sure I might have brought this up on the podcast about when I was 11 and I did YMCA swimming lessons with my cousins at the end of fifth grade. And all my cousins, all the kids, they were jumping off the high dive. Well, I don't know if it was a high, it was di- a diving board, you know, in ground pool. And I got up there and I just, I kept looking down, like preparing myself to just like, just do it, just do it, just do it. And I hear some dingus behind me who's all like, just push her, push her off. And finally I turned around like, I can't do it. And honestly, I didn't even really learn how to swim. It was one lady who could have cared less whether I learned or not. Because I was using, like, one of those kickboards. Uh, I, I don't know. It just, it was, it was stupid. I don't even know how much it would, even would have cost to take the classes to begin with. It was a, just a waste of time. An absolute waste of time. Granted, since we've been in the hotel for over four months now and they have a pool here, I've been learning how to, you know, hold my breath underwater. And I'm not saying... Maybe I'm a little bit better swimmer because, you know, I got those, like, rings that you can throw in the pool and you dive down and you get them. So, it's not like I got to hold my, you know, with my fingers closed up my, you know, nose holes and and dive. That's what I used to do. And it's like, no, I can do it without. And and I, I, I definitely have improved. I mean, I can't really kick and... You know, I'm more of a doggy paddler, but that's just me. That's just me. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. The The pool is only, it's five foot deep. I know to stay in the four foot area. I don't venture out to like four point, you know, four foot six inches. Because I know it's like, okay, that's getting a little, bring it back to the four foot. Because, yeah. I'm not taking any chances of uh, something happening. Because there's even a, a rule that says, like, you can't, you should not be swimming alone no matter what your age. You know, there isn't a lifeguard. You know, it's just a hotel pool. So, 
yeah, I mean, I've had fun. It's 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 fun. I had my my time in the pool, so I can definitely say though, going forward, when we get a house one day, I like I'll be fine if we don't have a pool. It's not a big deal. I think I did all the swimming I kind of wanted to do for a while. She even has a nickname, Lowboard Donaldson, and Jesse is confused before Becky even tells the story, saying, "You know, this is about me." Jesse looks at her and he's like, "Say so your cousin was one eyebrow? Oh, you mean like a unibrow? <laughs> no." But Becky says, "That's Celeste," and Jesse's like, "Oh, okay." And she says, "I'm lowboard." Oh yeah, when she was ten, she and her friends went to the public pool, and they all decided, you know, jump off the high dive together. And she says, "Well, you know, I climbed all the way to the top." I took one look down and I chickened out. Yeah, there were kids that were jumping off the diving board that there's like these stretch of like colored flags along the the pool and they were all trying to like reach it as they were jumping off. And I'm like, you show off. You're such show offs. Ugh. Not the greatest experience. Not the greatest experience. I actually do remember. It's a very faint memory of myself going to a public pool when I was like, I had to have been maybe six or seven. Because it was at the Kent County, where the Kent County Fairgrounds take place. And I just, I remember, it's a very faint memory. I don't know if it was put on by, you know, YMCA or whether it was, you know, the Kent County or Lowell Community Pool or whatever it was. Like now, if I think right, I swear that's got to be the place for like, it's a a reception hall. Because we had our grandparents, you know, 60th wedding anniversary. And we had, um, gosh, I think it was my oldest nephew who's going to be, 30 in three years which is frightening um his open house was also there as well so i know i asked nicole about it i'm like is this the area where that public pool was at lowell and she's like i think she said yes and becky says by the time i got back down to the bottom i had a new nickname oh that sucks her friends are all like hey lowboard donzy i mean you get it you know like being classmates or something like that or kids in the neighborhood that aren't her friends but really her friends are calling her lowboard really girl you need to find some new friends i would never stick with anybody who would call me anything other than by my own name if you want to tease me go for it but i ain't gonna stay your friend i'll tell you that right now Danny, of course, has a little story here, too, because uh, he, he chimes in here with that. Like, I want to be included. I have a story about swimming pools and nicknames. He says, I can relate to that. You won't believe this. I got my nickname at a swimming pool, too. Oh, good golly. What's his? <laughs> What's his nickname? Shallow and Tanner. Hey, I'm there with you, buddy. I'm there with you. Right there in the shallow and Dan. Danny? <laughs> It's like, oh my gosh. He says, college sophomores can be so cruel. Oh, maybe it's just an instance where... I just, I would love to... Because we got that flashback in the episode, I'll cover pale Joey. I would have loved to... Because Joey and Danny knew each other when they were like 
10 or 11. I'm like, I would have loved to see their adventures. You know Joey would have took Danny to the community pool. Like, hey, come on, Danny, it's okay. And, you know, you know, if someone's teasing Danny, you know that Joey's going to get in there and start cutting up with the, you know, like he did with Sh- Sheldon, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you know Joey always had Danny's back. You know they went to the same college together. But Dan- <laughs> Jesse and Becky both kind of look at Danny. Jesse especially is just kind of like narrowing his eyes at Danny like, Huh? Dude, you're not helping. So Danny's like, okay, you know what? I'll uh, I'll wait for you in the car, Becky. Bye. Jesse, who has never gone skydiving. I keep saying, yes, he has actually gone skydiving. Why do I keep saying skydiving? Bungee jumping. He says jumping off of a diving board is not the same thing as jumping off a bridge. Well, I agree. They're both very different. Um, One, you have a cord strapped to the bottom of your feet. The other one, you're just basically free-falling into a pool of water from a high a high point. But he wouldn't know personally. I mean, granted, yes, the riskiest he thing, I think the riskiest thing that he's done prior to this motocross, remember, and I will cover it in the Best Friends segment, is Dr. Dare Rides Again. And, yeah, he's, he was about ready to ride on that ledge again like he did umpteen years ago. But yes, he has experience, but... I don't know, as a, as a husband... Okay, wouldn't you want your spouse, if, if you're wanting to do something crazy and just for the thrill of it, would you want your husband to talk you... Your, your spouse to talk you out of it, or would you want um someone to be supportive like honey yes i definitely support what you want to do and even becky when jesse got arrested for the skydiving well you know getting stuck in a tree and stealing a that uh, red-headed tomatoes car uh uh truck whatever uh and he got arrested and he was saying how you know i wanted one last adventure and she says hey you could have let me know. I would have strapped down a suit and been parachute and been right there next to you. Like, the adventure is all just beginning. It's like, come on. And I like that with what's going to come up. Finally comes to a census and is supportive. As I mentioned, didn't I just read that you have to kind of clear your mind of any doubt, any negative thoughts? She doesn't need to be thinking about this when she's getting ready to jump off that bridge with, uh... A bungee cord tied to her ankles. One makes a big splash, the other makes a big splat. Now, I'm not saying that something couldn't go wrong. Nothing does with Becky. But yes, there have been, there are incidents. There are incidents and risks with anything you do. Whether or not you choose to take that risk, you know, to get in your car, to go to the grocery store, to go and walk across the street to get your mail if you got it, if your mailbox is across the street from your house. I mean, there's all these sorts of risks. That bran muffin is humongous and it looks extremely dry. Like you would have to have the tallest glass of milk to like get that down the old uh the old throat there. Just it just it it looks really dry. 
don't you want, if you're eating a muffin, don't you want it to be, you know, moist and, you know, just really good? Like, oh, this is real. No one wants to dry it out. Like, oh, no one wants that. The muffin looks disgusting. I guess that's my point that I'm trying to get across. And she tells him, Jess, this is just something I have to do. It's like, yeah, and you should be okay with this. Or if not okay, at least just be supportive. It keeps going on. You know, breathing is something you have to do. Eating is something you have to do. It's like, dude, you are not going to change her mind on this. Refilling the cream rinse is something you have to do. He says, this isn't something you have to do. And she look at him, looks at him and says, honey, I'm going to do it. Whether or without your blessing, this is happening. And I like what she says here. She says, and if you don't understand why, then you don't understand me. Have you ever tried to do something as an adult and saying, I have to do this because I couldn't do this as a kid? Have you ever, ever done that? As a, it's something like, as a kid, like you tried to do and you just, you couldn't do it. Like Becky with the, the high board. And you just are like, you get the opportunity, rolls around again as an adult. And you're like, this is for that child that looked down and said, I can't do this. I am I am doing this today. It's almost like you feel like you have to make it up to your younger self or like you have to make things right with with yourself by like I have to do this. It's like you it's almost like you're trying to prove something to yourself. She gets up and walks walks out and you just hear the audience go Ooh. And then, of course, Jesse goes over to Joey, who's at the kitchen island. He's like, I don't understand her. Jesse, basically, he just wants Joey to parrot, you know, agree with him. Like, am I wrong here? And Joey says, yes. And Jesse says, who asked you? What exactly is Joey doing? Is he making oatmeal? That's a big pot, though. What is he making? I'm, I'm curious. Joey does bring up a good point. He's like, you know, now you know how she feels while you're out doing your motocross thing. I'm kind of curious, like, what are the dangers of doing motocross? Common motocross injuries. Broken collarbone. When a driver is in the air and fall from the bike. AC joint sprain. AC joint is on the outer part of the collarbone. Broken wrist. This is the most common type of injury because most riders use outstretched hands to break a fall. You know what? Remember, did I tell you all about this last fall when I was taking out the trash? And you know the apartment I'm at has speed bumps, which of course... And me, I look down when I walk because I have no self-confidence whatsoever. And I tripped over the speed bump. The garbage I was holding broke and spread on the ground. Luckily, I was able to... But, yeah, instinctively, my hands hit the ground to break my fall. And I still have a scar on my knee from where my knees hit the pavement. No scars on my hands, though, from where they hit the pavement, but it's just like, ugh. Or even um, when I was at a mire and I was walking and I just, you know, tripped over my own feet. And it's just like, boom! It's like you hit and you can't... The point that you react that you're falling, it's like it's too late to react. And it's like, it just seems like instinct is you put your hands out to break your fall. Actually, wait, yeah, I remember... Because I also bumped my chin, too, and I had a scrape on my chin. 
My God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I remember that day when I tripped over that speed bump. I was crying. I was angry. I was like, I wish we'd never moved to this state. Uh, just miserable, miserable, miserable. Broken ankles happens when you collide with your fellow riders. Ooh, I didn't know that. Mm. Let's see, how often do people get hurt in motocross? A study estimated that 50% of dirt bike injuries unfolded on motocross tracks. Estimation is relatively high when you consider that most riders use trails instead of motocross tracks with dirt bikes. Is there a risk of injury in motocross? Injuries are common. Off-road motorcycle vehicle, uh, motorcycle sports. Research has shown that motocross puts the body under extreme stress and the risk of injury is high. Most motocross injuries occur during race events, but... Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We had neighbors that their kids were doing the dirt biking and the motocrossing, and there's, like, hills and trails, like, in their fields and stuff, and in the summers, like, you'd always hear, hear that in the in just up the road from us. I actually competed and won some, med I mean, trophies and medals and whatnot. And I guess those kids that I grew up with, their kids also compete. And stuff like that. Jesse can't fathom you. Why is she worried about me? I'm not worried about me. I play. You should be. And Joey looks at Jesse, and I like how he's kind of. He seems like he's being real with Jesse. It's like, cause he sets his foot. You hear the fork clatter on the plate, and he's like, Jess, don't you get it? Listen, you're my best friend, so I'm gonna tell you this from my heart, okay? Joey says she's worried about you for the same reason you're worried about her. And I love how Joey points at Jesse for emphasis as he says, you care more about her life than your own life. And you just see Jesse's expression, you know, he's taking in this from Joey, like, it's really heartfelt. And Joey says, let's face it, buddy, she makes your life worth living. And that's the thing, you know, your spouse may, you know, make your make your life interesting you know it makes it worth you know coming home to from a job at the end of the day because you know your spouse is going to be supportive they're gonna like hey how's you you know jeremy's you know going through a time right now with his job and he's stressed out he he rarely gets stressed out but then i get stressed out because i can't make him feel better it's like i don't know what can i do to make you feel better and feel it's ugh. No one wants to see their spouse stressed out or upset or bothered and not be able to fix it. And, and honestly, sometimes all a spouse needs is to, for you to listen to them vent. And then they get that anger and that frustration out. It's like, it's better you lay it on me, let me hand, you know, listen to it, instead of blowing up at your job, losing your job or something. I'm not saying like he would do anything like that, but I'm saying it's good to come home and have a listening ear when you're frustrated. Because sometimes you just gotta let it out. You just need someone to listen. And Jesse says, Joseph, that was mature, it was insightful, and it was very sensitive. We don't get a lot of this from Joey, which I get it. You gotta balance. It's like, it feels like it's like 85% goofy Joey, and then 15% he has some good advice, or he says something along the lines of what he's saying to Jesse, to, you know, one of the girls, or to Danny, or, you know, whoever, whoever needs it. 
And Joey says, thank you. Okay, now cartoons. <laughs> it's like he snaps right back into Goofy Joey. Is what? Is that a giant sausage? It's like a kielbasa thing in a pancake. And it's a, it looks like a small pancake. Or it looks like one of those, um, you know how Arby's has that Oh my goodness, what is it? It's a it's the brisket thing. I had it. It's like in like a not a pita thing, but it's like a folded I can't think of the word. It's a certain type of bread. It's really, really good. I've had it twice now. Gosh, I wish Arby's would bring back that pork belly sandwich. They had it twice. The first time when they introduced it, and then the next year, and then after that it was gone. My, my oldest nephew that worked at Arby's said they don't plan on ever bringing it back. I'm like, no, why? Why, though? I love the pork belly sandwich. We need more of that in our life, don't we, Quinn? <laughs> She's like, I have no comment for that. And, of course, he imitates, does an impression of Popeye. And as Joey walks out of the room, we cut back to Jesse, and he just exhales this breath he's been holding this whole time like he's really this is you know he's really thinking joey is making sense back back i gotta talk to you before you go out and do something crazy okay but make it fast because i have to jump off a bridge in an hour <laughs> listen i know why you're doing this you're trying to get back at me for all the times that i made you worry well you know what it worked i'm worried you win sit down relax have a muffin <laughs> jess this has nothing to do with you I'm doing this for that little girl back in Nebraska. Low board Donaldson. Is that your cousin with one eyebrow? That's Celeste. Oh, oh. I'm low board. When I was 10, I went to the public swimming pool with all my friends, and we decided that we would jump off the high diving board. Well, I climbed all the way to the top. I took one look down, and I chickened out. And by the time I got back down to the bottom, I had a new nickname. Low board. Mm. You know, I can relate to that, actually. You won't believe this. I got my nickname at a swimming pool, too. Shallow End Tanner. <laughs> College sophomores can be so cruel. I'll, uh, I'll be in the car. Beck, think about it. Now, jumping off a diving board is not the same as jumping off a bridge. When one makes a big splash, the other one makes a big splat. This is just something I have to do. No, no, breathing is something you have to do. Eating is something you have to do. Refilling the creamer dispenser is something you have to do. This is something that you don't have to do. Honey, I'm going to do it. And if you don't understand why, then you don't understand me. I don't understand. Am I wrong here? Yes. Who asked you? <laughs> well, Jess, now you know how Becky feels when she's home worrying while you're out doing your motocross stuff. Why is she worried about me? I'm not worried about me. Jess, don't you get it? Listen, you're my best friend, so I'm going to tell you this from my heart, okay? She's worried about you for the same reason you're worried about her. You care more about her life than your own life. Because let's face it, buddy, she makes your life worth living. Joseph, well, that was mature, it was insightful, and it was very sensitive. Thank you. Okay, now, cartoons. <laughs> so, Becky actually checks out the drop, which I, I don't 
I thought they say that maybe you shouldn't do that because you're just your nerves are gonna get wrangled. Like they say, you know, you got to keep a clear head, all negative thoughts, anything, like push them out because that's just gonna distract you. And of course, you know they're filming, so Becky has to be in her TV Rebecca Donaldson persona here. And she says, well, I can't believe I'm saying this, but right after the news break, Edna and I will be bungee jumping off this bridge. The words that Danny says, yes, that's right. They're both going to be helplessly plummeting hundreds of feet down, down, down off this bridge toward rock solid rock. Only to be snapped from the jaws of death at the last possible second. See, he wants the, (laughs) he wants that viewership. So he's making it sound as like, Worst case scenario, humanly, but I mean, just it's making it sound worse than it really is. Like, you are really Becky's nerves are probably already frazzled, and the fact that she looked down just to see how far down that drop would be it's like, yeah, I don't oh boy. Not to mention, she's probably got what Jesse's been saying, and she was saying, you know, all you know, her head's all over the place. What is this little, like, thumb and pinky finger, like, ah, hang ten. He's, Danny, this is not your college days at your college, uh, <laughs> little, uh, TV station set up. <laughs> hey, we're on location, who cares? <laughs> yeah, because clearly, I mean, this bridge would be closed off while they'd be filming. So, yeah, the filming locations, they all say, you know, establishing shots, you know, Tanner Home. Um, establishing shots, Golden Gate Bridge, establishing shots, Alamo Square, Hayes Valley, San Francisco, California, establishing shots, Lombard Street, San Francisco, San Francisco Bay, Hyde Street, these are all establishing shots. So, yeah, it's like, alright, we're clear, and (laughs) Edna looks at Danny, who is, like, a giant compared to her. And she's like, hey, Stilts, what is this horse hockey about the jaws of death? And she says, we have a perfect safety record. I mean, Edna's still alive to, you know, not to this day. The actress isn't alive, but the, the character here, it's like, she's still alive. She's still there. So clearly, things went right. <laughs> and she's alive to tell the tales, you know. And of course, just as I was right. Danny says, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, Edna, it was for dramatic effect. Of course it was. As Danny says, it makes for great television. And Becky, yeah, she's getting the jitter, she says, and a terrified co-host as she, again, looks down at the drop. Stop looking at the drop! Stop looking at it. Seriously, just stop. She's psyching herself out is what she's doing. You know what I do? I would be like, okay. I'm not going to think about the drop. I'm not going to think about it. Just think about, okay, do this, get this done, then we're going to go to the bookstore, or we're going to go to IHOP, or we're going to go see a movie, or just think about what you'll do later in the day, or something like that. Just, just like, I just got to do this one thing, and then I can do something else, or something, like, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) I mean, I say that now from the comfort of this chair in this hotel room, but... (laughs) I'd be singing a different story if I were looking down at that drop of where I'm going to be going. Yeah. Quinn, could you do it? Do you want to go bungee jumping, Quinny? 
will toss you right over the edge. Yeah. You'll have like a bungee jumping cord tied to your, your feet. And then we'll just, boop, toss you over the side. Could you do it? Hmm? No? You don't want to go bungee jumping, huh? Okay, yeah, she's like, I'm tired. Leave me alone. <laughs> what is this, like a little ravine or something? What is this? It's like, it looks like a mini, like a mini dam or a mini waterfall or a mini something or other. And Becky looks down and is like, whoa. Yeah, she she's pretty much already like, I, I'm not going to do this. Like, once you convince yourself of that, of I'm just, I'm not going to do this, I don't think anybody can convince you to change your mind. Yeah, that's right. Becky does bring up the fact that she is also the terrified producer of this show. So now she pretty much tells Edna, you're flying solo on this one. And Danny has to pull Becky aside. Like, we already got footage of Edna jumping. She says, I'm also the terrified producer of the show, and I'm going to make a little change to this segment. Edna, you're flying solo. Danny cuts in with, uh, Ms. Producer, do you remember that Edna jumped by herself on our show just last week? And of course, I love how Edna is just cool as a cucumber. She's like, oh, that's no problem. You know what? I'll do it in my bikini. Um, well, you know what? I think they want you to have proper clothing. You jumping off that bridge in just a bikini, sweetie, that ain't gonna cut it. They want you wearing thick clothes. That wind, that wind's it's gonna cut through ya. Props to her. I mean, she wants to wear a bikini at like 80, 60, 70. I forgot how old she is. Good for her. So, Edna walks off. Apparently, she brought her bikini with her just in case. Um, you know, good having a backup plan. And Becky says, well, back to being lowboard Donaldson again. And Danny, you know, pats Becky's shoulder like, well, I'd rather be lowboard than uh, gunk in a gorge. Is that what that is? That's a gorge down there? Quinn, is that a gorge? And excuses himself to go get some Danish and makeup and something else. Here comes Jesse, who's driving through this setup of, you know, you got cable cords, you got lights, you got all this stuff all set up. They most likely have that bridge closed off for this filming session. And here he comes on his motorcycle. Parks hit front wheel right on the cord that goes to, like, one of those tall lighting effects, which is interesting being the fact that it's pure daylight outside. How much light is that, though, are those big, tall lamp light things? How much are, they're like, um, studio lights or something like that. How much light and pure, like, one in the afternoon, wait, what? This is gonna be like 10 a.m. or something, 11, who, who knows? But it's like, pitch just brightness outside. Of course, because Jesse's her husband, they're not, like, gonna be, Sir, sir, this road is closed off for a reason, okay? You need to get your motorcycle out of here or park it off to the side there because we are filming this jump with somebody at some point. Edna. And Becky's surprised. She's like, Jess, what are you doing here? And I love how Jesse kind of nervously, like, r runs his hand through the back of his hair. It's like, 
Honey, I totally get it now. Okay, I understand you now. Joey explained everything to me. And Becky just looks at him like, really? Joey? Yeah! <laughs> Becky says, honey, you're listening to a man who sleeps in Power Ranger pajamas. Well, <laughs> every great once in a while, Joey does say something insightful. The thing is, you gotta open your ear and listen, because it doesn't happen very often. I like how Jesse sits down on, like, a concrete block or whatever. And he says... The reason I'm so worried is because I love you so much. Well, she can't deny that. Of course he he's worried because he loves her. Like This is nothing. But the fact that, I mean, he's saying it, you know, it's from the heart. Jesse says, in loving you so much, I realize that you have the right to do anything you want. And to live your life as full and as rich as you want. I mean, if you want to take a risk, I mean, take a risk. And Jesse says, I have no right to tell you not to. Of course, being Lobor Donaldson again, she's like, yes, yes, you do. You have every right. You're an American. She, and she keeps, you know, babbling. Like, you have the right to free assembly. You have uh, a right to an attorney if you choose to have one. And you have the right to stop me from making a horrible mistake. I think the horrible mistake is going to be if you don't go through with it. And then you're going to look back and like, gosh, I really wish I had done this. And it's always going to be a what-if scenario. As I, I mentioned, it probably is expensive to, to shoot on location. Not to mention to shut that road down while they shoot. And of course the bungee jumping. The equipment and all that stuff. I mean, who's footing the bill? Probably Wake Up San Francisco. So it's like, and they already filmed Edna last week doing that jump. So it's like, you gotta give us something. Just seeing Edna in her bikini is not going to be enough for the viewers of Wake Up San Francisco. The fact that a producer slash co-host of Wake Up San Francisco is including herself in jumping is enough to get the people in front of the television. But if you back out, what's that say to the viewers? And Jesse looks at Becky and he says, so what you're saying is you're afraid. And Becky says, in a word, deathly. Girl, I told you not to look down. I told you twice. Don't look down. Don't look at the drop. Clear your mind. She basically, yeah, like I said, she psyched herself out. You looked at the drop twice. You shouldn't have done that. And Jesse asked her, like, listen, bottom line is, do you really want to do this? And Becky says, well, yes. And she says, I would love to take a fearless leap and spread my wings and fly. And if I actually had wings, I would do it. And Jesse says, well, you know, it's up to you. You can stay up here and be lowboard Donaldson forever. Or you can put all your fears behind you and experience the thrill of a lifetime. It's not like she signed a paper. Well, she probably did have to sign um, something. So that way, if something does happen, that... Uh, or if the equipment fails, not that it's going to, but... Yeah, she'd have to sign a waiver if something happens. Like, the show isn't going to be liable. Like, if you get injured, the show's not liable. You can't sue them and say, well, you made me do this. And Becky kind of, you know, looks over. She's like, well, it does look exciting. And she says, you know, if I had the opportunity, I wouldn't turn it down. Oh, and she takes that and she runs with it. Like, oh, are you serious? Do you really? Yeah, she gets him into it. Like, let's do this together. Danny goes over to them, and of course we get, um, I'm guessing, I don't know whether, let's see, I don't know, TV, 
works and the behind the scenes people says, all right, folks, we're on the air in 20 seconds. Just like, okay, off the set, please. And Danny looks at Becky and asks, you know, are you going to jump or do we have to go with, whoa. Danny says, Edna's in a thong and she's looking pretty hot too. And they count them down. All right. And we're ready in five, four, three, two, one. And Becky, of course, gets into a you know TV persona. Rebecca Donaldson says, all right, well, we're back, San Francisco, and there's been a slight change of plans. Becky says, instead of me jumping with Edna, we thought it'd be f- a fun surprise if I were to share the thrill of a lifetime with my husband, Jesse Katsopoulos. And this is taking him by surprise. Like, wait, what? Yeah, she's taking his words of, you know, if I had this opportunity, I wouldn't turn it down. Yeah, she took that as a, okay, definitely. And, and Jesse's like, huh, what, what? Beck, I, I, I'm not sure the audience is ready for that. For such a fun surprise at this hour in the morning. And we do see them getting fitted, you know, in the ankle weights or whatever that connect the core, bungee cord to them, To It's like, yeah, they're pretty much, like you said, the, the word go, so they're getting you all ready. They're getting you ready. Jesse isn't exactly, uh, dressed for jumping over the side of that bridge. <laughs> and Danny's like, no, no, no sausage. I think they're ready for a fun surprise. It's, oh, apparently it's sweeps week. Okay, great. So that's why they're doing this. Gotta get those viewers. Gotta get them in sweeps week. Je- Danny's directing the people that are getting uh, Jesse and Becky f- fitted with the uh, bungee cord around their ankles. And Danny's like, let's tie them up nice and snug. Safe and snug. Jesse is, he, he he seems like he's starting to go into mini panic mode here. He's like, well, what are these things they're putting? Uh, Becky, can't we just work up to this? Be like, you went skydiving, Jesse. You, you threw your body out of a plane. You had a parachute. I mean, here, bungee jumping, you're connected to the building or the, not the building the whatever you're jumping off of basically when you're you got a parachute and it's gliding you to earth there's nothing connecting you to anything to gravitate you it's just your parachute it's just going to land you where you're going to land basically you basically luck of the draw i guess and he did land into a tree but He's like you know like jump off something small and work our way up why well, i, I would have loved becky to say you went skydiving in a, on our wedding day, okay? Yeah, Jesse, like, like the curb cameraman. Can you get this? See, whoa, that's far down there. Like, oh my gosh, Jesse. Yeah, and Becky's like, honey, come on. You said this was a thrill of a lifetime, and he's like, yeah, your lifetime, not mine. Like, come on, just do it together. It'll be a great story to tell the kids. Like, well, I went. Your dad could have went, but he he, you know, chickened out. Come on, Nikki and Alex be razzing you about that for years, Jesse. And Danny's like, all right, you lovebirds, over the railing and into the gorge you go. Danny with the t- thumbs up and the he's got the hang ten type of thing with the pinky and the thumb out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and she's like, she's going home. She's ready. Like, honey, you ready? Let's go. And Jesse's like, honey, rubber bands snap on a kitchen. It, it's, it's a cord. It's not going to snap. I mean, it'll snap you back up, but it's not going to snap and break like a rubber band. And, you know, they're putting their helmets on, and Becky's like, it's a thrill <laughs> of a lifetime. 
She looks at him because Becky's now afraid, a little afraid, but she's getting her courage up. She's like, you're not afraid, are you? And Jesse says, in a word, deathly. <laughs> Old Danny just standing there and just grinning ear to ear like, this is making for good television. It's week's week. <laughs> Danny like blows him a kiss like, bye-bye. <laughs> He's probably like, oh, if anything happens to Becky, I get my own show. And Becky waves, and then she and Jesse turn and look at the drop. Again, ugh. This is Jesse's first time seeing j- this drop. And Becky's like, oh my gosh. And then both Jesse and Becky together say, have mercy. Like a nervous have mercy. So, Jesse and Becky lean over to the side. It actually is not them falling. It's most likely a stun couple because... I can see how um, insurance uh, for the actors on the show, like, they're not going to cover something like that if something goes wrong. And I can sh- imagine the people that work on the show, like, we're not taking that chance of something happening to either of you. So, yeah, we'll have professionals, like, actually fall. They do ADR, like, Becky's laughter. And like, oh my gosh! <laughs> you know that. But we do get a shot of Becky and Jesse kind of hanging there. She's like, whoa, that was incredible. What a rush. Looking at Jesse as they're hanging upside down. And she's like, honey, are you okay? And Jesse's like, uh, I don't know. It's like he's probably waiting for the rest of his body to uh, reach his body. <laughs> and he's like, yes, I'll tell you when my stomach gets here. Yeah, because his stomach is probably at his feet. <laughs> and making its way to his stomach. And Jesse says, oh, okay, yes, good. I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And Becky says, Jess, I love you so much. I'm so glad we did this. See, now they can tell Nikki and Alex about it. And Jesse looks at her and asks, do you want to do it again? And she looks at him and like, do you? And they both look down like, nah. And that's pretty much how the episode ends. Nah, we're good. We did it once. Once is enough. Now she can say she's no longer low-bowered Donaldson. Well, I can't believe I'm saying this, but right after the news break, Edna and I will be bungee jumping off this bridge. Yes, that's right. They're both going to be helplessly plummeting hundreds of feet down, down, down off this bridge toward rock-solid rock, only to be snapped from the jaws of death at the last possible second. Don't go away. And we're clear. Hey, Stilts, what is this horse hockey about the jaws of death? We have a perfect safety record. Well, I'm sorry, yeah, no, it was it was for dramatic it's effect. It, it makes for great television. Oh, and a terrified co-host. <laughs> Don't look at the drop. Stop looking Whoa. at it. You know, <laughs> I'm also the terrified producer of this show, and I'm gonna make a teensy little change in this segment. Edna? You're flying solo. Excuse me, Ms. Producer. Remember Edna jumped by herself on our show just last week? That's no problem. I'll, um, I'll do it in my bikini. Well, back to being lowboard Donaldson again. Oh, I'd rather be lowboard than gunk in a gorge. Yeah. I'm to get some Danish and some makeup something else. <coughs> What 
are you doing here? Listen, Beck. I totally understand you now. Joey explained everything to me. Honey, you're listening to a man who sleeps in Power Ranger pajamas. <laughs> the reason I'm so worried is because I love you so much. In loving you so much, I, I realize that you have the right to do anything you want. To live your life as full and as rich as you want. I mean, if you want to take a risk, take a risk. I have no right to tell you not to. Yes, you do. You have every right. You're an American. You have the right to free assembly. You have a right to an attorney if you choose to have one. And you have the right to stop me from making a horrible mistake. So what you're saying is you're afraid? In a word, deathly. <laughs> Bottom line is, do you really want to do this? Well, yes. <laughs> I would love to take a fearless leap and spread my wings and fly. And if I actually had wings, I would do it. Well, then it's up to you. You can stay up here and be low-board Donaldson forever. Or you can put all your fears behind you and you can experience the thrill of a lifetime. That does look exciting. If I had the opportunity, I wouldn't turn it down. Hey. Okay, folks, we're on the air in 20 seconds. Jess, off the set. All right, so, are you gonna jump or do we have to go with... Whoa! Edna's in a thong! She's looking pretty hot. <laughs> Danny! Five, four, three, two... Well, we're back, San Francisco, and uh, there's been a slight change of plans. Instead of me jumping with Edna, we thought it would be a fun surprise if I were to share the thrill of a lifetime with my husband, Jesse Katsopoulos. Uh, Rick, I'm not, I'm not sure the audience is, is ready for such a fun surprise at, at this hour in the morning. I mean, maybe they had a big no, breakfast. I, I think the audience is ready sausage. for a no, no sausage. I think they're ready for a fun surprise. It is sweet, sweet. Let's tighten them up nice and snug, safe and snug. What, 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 are, what are these things they're putting? Beck, can't we just work up to this thing, you know, like jump off something small and then work our way up like, like, like the curb? Cameron, can you get this? See, whoa, that's far down there. And then we, and then we go. Come on, honey, you were the one that said this was a thrill of a lifetime. Yeah, your lifetime, not mine. All right, you lovebirds, over the railing and into the gorge. Danny, enough with a hang Ready, honey? Here we go. Honey, rubber bands snap on occasion. It's a thrill of a lifetime. You're not afraid, are you? In a word, <coughs> deathly. Oh my God! Have mercy. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll tell you when my stomach gets here. Okay, yes, good. I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, Jess, I love you so much. I, I'm so glad I did this. Want to do it again? Do you? Nah. <laughs> All right. That was the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, of course, 
Best dress is going to go to Kimmy's red and white tie-dye shirt and the yellow shorts and the black tight leggings. And then, of course, runner-up is going to be DJ's Argyle sweater that she was wearing. Worst outfit? Uh, gosh, you know, I really don't have one. I really don't have a worst outfit this episode, which is surprising because there usually is at least one. Tanner teachable moments in under um, Becky and Jesse. Just talk to your spouse if they want to do something. Don't shut them down and say, no, you're not doing it. Don't forbid them. Just ask questions like, hey, why do you want to do this? Okay. But definitely you, you go over the risks of, you know, especially if it's something like bungee jumping or skydiving. It's like be supportive, be a listening ear. But I don't, you know, why they want to do it. And just, it's like, hey, if you want to do it together, there are, you know, couple skydiving classes, I'm sure. And also bungee jumping. And other things that you can do. Just definitely, you know, be aware of the risks. You know, most likely you will have to sign waivers. So that way the companies that you bungee jump or skydive with, that they're not responsible if something happens to you, which there is, you know, a small percentage that something could. That, that's just the thing as a spouse. Just be supportive of your spouse wanting to try new things. Don't don't be discouraging, because that's just, come on now. How do you grow as a person if someone's always going to discourage your new ideas and wanting to try new things? Um, in regard to... Michelle and the Counting Crows tickets and the girls. It's like, that was mean. What they, you know, they really freaked out Michelle. And it's like, again, with Danny, it's like, you know, she's not old enough to go to a Counting Crows concert. I, I don't even know, like, would you have to be a certain age? Like, oh, it's Counting Crows. I'm sorry. No one under the age of 10 is admitted to the concert or something. I don't know. Alright, and of course, the next episode I'm going to be covering for the month of July is from Fuller House, Season 1, Episode 6, The Legend of El Explosivo, which aired February 26, 2016. In this episode, DJ punishes Jackson, causing him to miss his favorite Mexican wrestling league, Lucha Kaboom. But that only leads to more action for the fans. This will be in honor of Michael Campion's birthday. So actually what I've decided is instead of holding off until the end of the month to air these, upload these episodes around the time of Lori Laughlin and Michael Campion's birthdays, which are July 26th and 28th, I'm actually going to be uploading this episode, Leap of Faith, Tomorrow, July 2nd, and then the other one, um, Legend of El Explosivo, will be July 9th. It's just because uh, things are happening for Jeremy and I, and we're just... July is going to be a busy month for us. So we're going to be in the process of finding a new place to live, and... So everything's kind of culminating around that time. So, yeah, that way you don't got to wait till the end of the month. You get it tomorrow. So, all right. Also, if you haven't yet, 
and you want to support the show, go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, search Full House, Fuller House Podcast, either or. It'll show up. Oh, my land of holy chalupas. And just leave a review. All five-star reviews help the podcast get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves. And if you feel like you want to throw in your own two cents with this episode, you can send an email to omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. Everyone have a safe and happy 4th of July if you celebrate it. But yeah, I can't say that enough, guys. Please, with the fireworks, just be careful. Use your head. Use common sense is what I'm saying. Let's make the 4th of July as accident-free as humanly possible this year. All right. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a good weekend.